Welcome back to Two Bits One Puck, everybody. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, Dan Masters, with my good friend, the East Anglian, Elliot Friedman. Will. Will, how are you? I, I thought you were going to um, sing. That's quite a tuneful start to, to the intro. <laughs> it sounds like you're going to go into one of those sort of old-timey show tunes. You know, I've been, you, you do slightly ban me from singing, don't you? So I have to be careful I, when I bust it out. I try to. I, I try yeah. my hardest, but it's... Like many things, Dan, in this world, I just can't contain them. I'm but one man. You are one man. And I am one man. And I am one man with a question. And here it is. Normally, we like to do... I guess I guess our questions of the week so far have been, not serious, but a bit more thought-provoking. So we thought we'd have an easy one this week, which is, and play along at home fun for everybody. What is a favourite goal by a player not involved with your team? So, Will, I'll let you go first. The first one I'm going to go for... I think to an extent, all the goals I'm going to mention are—they're not like you know—they're never going to win competitions for the best goal ever scored by an AHL or anything. But just, just those goals that in the moment made me drop my jaw and think, "Fucking hell, this sport!" Um, the first one scored by renowned sniper Brooks Like uh, when he was with, with the Capitals. <laughs> I think it was against—it uh, was against Vancouver in the thirteen fourteen season. So just when I'd started watching hockey, really. I was watching highlights of this game. So uh like Starks with starts with the puck in this uh, this sequence. He's um he's coming down he's he's on, along the left wing. Puck's already in, in the Vancouver zone. Um he sort of he dumps it in and then he peels off to the right, he's off camera, so I assume he does that rather than teleporting. Um memory my memory fails me, whoever picks it up. I think it might have been Ovi. Someone picks it up, come in back towards the blue line, it's like they're sort of cycling, comes back, cuts in a bit, plays the pass to a streaking like now coming down the right wing, and he just takes a touch behind him, takes the puck between his own legs, and then backhands it short side, and like it wasn't incredible, but at the time, just that first touch between the legs, and then having the goal off the end blew my little mind, I was like, fucking hell, that's, that's proper skill. I like that, yeah, because we can all. I think there was a. Just to quickly bring bring it to uh, the World Cup in summer, there was a load of goals that were kind of you know screamers or forty yard bombs, or whatever. But my favourite was Cavani's when he was just he, the ball was just played to him, and he just ran onto it, and in one hit he just bent it into the far corner, and it was just the finesse of it, just a simple. I'm going to caress this ball into the net, and that's what, like you say, that's what sounds what likes did. He just. He just knows and how knows how to control the puck. He knows how to move it, and he gets it exactly where he wants it to go. And those are, those can be just as good as an absolute rocket from sort of forty feet away, can't they? Just a beautiful little um, little bit of skill. But the the best goal at the World Cup was obviously that Quaresma volley because that was just something else, something else. <laughs> else. Oh, mate, mate. My first one. Both of mine actually are Stanley Cup goals, and they're both Stanley Cup winning goals. But I like them both for different Ooh. reasons. My first one is Patrick Kane against the Flyers. The Ooh, famous good goal. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. OT winner wins the cup. The reason I love this goal has got nothing to do with the goal itself. It's a great move by Kane on the left wing, obviously. he de- I can't remember who it was, but he kind of fakes around somebody. And you know, you know the goal. Slides the puck in. Puck goes under the keeper. And for a few seconds, the only person in the world who knows that's a goal is Patrick Kane. He's the only person who celebrates. No one moves. The refs do nothing. 
The other players skate away with Kane, but they're all... T- it's, a, it's a famous shot where they're all turning around looking at the goal like, what are we doing? Where's the puck? Why are we celebrating? But Kane's obviously just down the fucking other end, jumping into the goalie's arm, celebrating. And I love the fact that for those few seconds, he was the only person who knew. And I just, I just think that must feel the feeling that, that he must have had because there was no doubt, like he knew, yeah, it's a goal. Like he said, he knew straight away it was a goal. He saw it was a goal. But even there's no doubt, even as everyone's turning around looking, it never crosses his mind to go, oh, oh, hang on, what is happening now? Did I score? Did I not score? Because I would have doubted myself. When nobody does anything, I'm then thinking, oh, is it stuck in the goalie's pads or something? Am I wrong? But no, he didn't. He knew, and I love that that he owned the world essentially for like two or three seconds. And those two or three seconds. Even now, like you see, you see it every now and again where a player's scored and he knows before the rest of his teammates. But yes. that's that's like you know, half a second, a second at most. The length of time that Patrick Kane was celebrating and nobody else even knew. Like no whistles had gone, the buzzer hadn't gone. Oh, it feels like it was probably half an hour of Patrick Kane just doing laps of the rink, saying, "I've just won the Stanley <laughs> Cup," and everyone's like, "What? What's going on?" Yeah, it's crazy, happening? absolutely crazy. Nice one. All right. No, next one. Uh, the second one I've got is in a Stanley Cup final, but um, unfortunately not the Stanley Cup final winning goal because that would have been beautiful for a, for a number of reasons. It's from the 2015 Cup final between Tampa Bay and Chicago. Um, mm. A goal scored by Alex Kalorn. Do you know? Do you know this goal, Dan? <sighs> not right now, thanks to concussions. But I will do when you start talking, probably. <laughs> oh, you most certainly will. A very memorable goal. I remember sitting. Uh, with a friend of the podcast, Rangers fan Joe. Shout out to Joe. Shout out uh, to Joe. We were sitting in sitting in Joe's bedroom watching uh watching that game on live, I believe, on his uh, on his television. Um I don't have quite as good a oh yeah, no, I've got it now. So um Puck uh Kalorn himself, I think. No, Valtteri Filpula has the puck down at the end boards, uh sort of right wing corner behind the Chicago net. He plays it out to the uh, to the point. Kalorn had been sort of retracting a bit towards the high slot, and then he button hooks back towards the net. I don't know who the who the D man was who takes the shot, but takes the shot at the right point off of Phil Plus pass. I think it defle- it definitely takes some sort of weird deflection off a skate or a stick. I don't know what it is, but the puck's fluttering through the air at sort of waist height. Wide of the goal, oh, yeah, four feet or so, five feet, six feet wide of the goal to the right, behind Kalorn's back essentially, and Kalorn just sticks his stick out, deflects it into the back of the net, and it was the most incredible thing that I've ever seen in my life. Before you know, every man and his dog was picking pucks out of the air. You Matt Deshaines and you Sidney Crosby's. That goal was just like, what the fuck has just happened? It was oh, <laughs> absolutely incredible, incredible goal. Yeah, of course, I remember that now. Yeah, that was insane. It was. It's always. It's always funny when you realise how impressive something actually is. Yeah. Like you say, now we're just Crosby's biting pucks out of the air every week. It seems, and, and when you play any kind of sport, you just start to realise, even at a basic level, you start to realise the hand-eye body coordination to be able to do certain things is just ridiculous. And for him to do that was just insane. It's a no look. He no looks as well. It's not even, he's not looking as he does it. He, It's just instinctual to just bat it in. And it's just, oh yeah. Yeah. Great choice. A great choice. What's, uh, what's your next one, Dan? What have we got? 
I'm going to pick one more. And I, I have to apologise right now, Will. But my other goal is Jason Arnott for the Devils against the Stars. 2000 Stanley Cup, double OT winner. See, I, I know reason... this goal, but I can't remember it. I don't know anything. <laughs> you tried to black it out. It's similar to that whole Stanley Cup final, really. Yeah. There's a face-off, and it's, uh, there's a face-off in the Stars zone. It gets battered around, and somehow the puck ends up on the right wing, and Patrick Elias just backhands it. Again, it's no luck. He backhands it cross crease, and you can just you can just see what's happening. The first goal off the Patrick Kane goal was only he knew what was going to happen. On this one, every single person knew. The second that Eliash backhands that puck, it's no luck pass cross the crease. You're like, oh my god, it's over before Arnie even hits it because it just comes across a crease and there's nobody near him. There's nobody within like seven or eight feet of him and he just hits it onto onto the goalie's left uh, goalie's right side top corner and you can just see it coming for, you can just see it coming it, again like the same little K1 takes like half an hour you just seem to think he's stood there waiting for 10 minutes for this puck to get to him before he can just blast it into the roof and he just he just does and I just I, I watch that goal so many times it's, there's like, it's like a 30 second clip on YouTube and I watch it all the time because I just think what was he thinking? He's like, oh my God, there's pucks here. There's nobody here. I know he's not thinking that, but I think maybe think retrospectively in his mind, he's just, he must get giddy every time he thinks about it. He must see that pass in his sleep from Eliash just coming back towards him. And he's just thinking, that's it. I'm going to win it. And he does. Oh, I love it. It was almost it's, in it's, slow motion. I love it. He, he sees it like one of those, uh, one of those dreams where you're, um, you're like moving in mud. And maybe you're being chased yeah. by a serial killer, but it's like the the polar opposite emotion wise of that, where he's just moving really slowly and the puck's coming really slowly, and the yeah. goal's like seventy five feet wide. And like, yes, it's true. That's so true. Yeah, if it's a dream, the goal is as high as the arena roof, and the puck. There's no way he can miss, and that you know the puck's the size of a beach ball because that's, that's just a- how it is. If you, if you, yeah, it's just in two thousand, so. I'm not sure how many people even remember that goal anymore, but I remember it vividly, really vividly. I, I wish I could forget it, to be honest. I might not remember <laughs> it as vividly, but the emotion is still there, even though I was but a win. Okay. I've, I've, I've got a little bonus goal for you, Dan. Cool. And I hope you remember this one as well, because this is a goal I hold dear to my heart as one of my favourite things that has ever happened in in history of anything, to be honest. Um, it was a goal from that same... Uh, Stanley Cup final between Chicago and Tampa because I because I have the memory of a goldfish powered of by course. a hamster and it was scored by Patrick Sharp. Dan, do you remember any goals scored by Patrick Sharp oh, in God. that Stanley Cup final? You tested me again. God, this is a particularly uh, memorable one. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. Again, the second you start talking, I'll probably go. Oh, of course, that one. So, um, the YouTube clip. Oh. Is it the one where Hedman and... Oh, who's the goalie? Oh, come on, Fuck. you know Hedman, this. I can't remember who the goalie was. Hedman and the goalie crash into each other, don't they? They Is do. Is that one? Hedman <laughs> and Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop, thank you. Brent, Brent Seabrook lightly oh, yeah. feathers the puck into the opposite corner. Bit of a bit of miscommunicate between uh, Bishop and Hedman. Go... <laughs> oh, it's just beautiful. Crash into each other, both fall down. Patrick Sharp's just there. 
knocks it into an open net in a Stanley Cup final. The best of the best. The the <laughs> bloody 40 best hockey players on the planet for that year are going head-to-head. Yes, the resistance. And two of them quite literally go head-to-head and cost their team a goal. Oh, it's, oh, just, in- it's just incredible, isn't it? Christ. All right, so we start the show. Well, <laughs> I think we have to. time of the week again you know what it is it's the smooth recap we all remember the days where sportsmen played two sports at a high level michael jordan deon sanders maybe being the two most well known Evgeny malkin is making a push to be the most recent as he does his best baseball swing at michael raffle's head believing it to be a ball a severe weather front is sweeping western canada with warnings of the sky falling preceded by a trickle of hideous orange jerseys Meteorologists predict more by the end of the week. Not content with having the highest scoring team in the league and the highest point scoring player in the league, the Tampa Bay Lightning's backup goalie is setting franchise records with his 10th win in a row. I think they're just taking the piss now, aren't they? Also in Western Canada, a California man remains hospitalised with two broken ankles after becoming the latest victim of EP40. The elusive sleuth remains at large. Culinary news now. And Nolan Patrick is the latest player to develop a brand new diet. Keep your paleos and ketogenics. The young Philly star is now on the My Mummy Made Me a Sandwich and It Was Yummy diet. Moving south to Anaheim, things aren't always sunny in duck country. Lifelong friends Randy and Bob have split after the former repeatedly destroyed any semblance of hope poor Mr Murray tried to build. A big week for Patrice Bergeron in Boston. He skated in his 1,000th game and scored two goals in the process. He was named NHL's second star of the week and is currently averaging a career-best 1.27 points per game. More importantly though, he's still at the top of my hockey man crush standings. The Western Conference wildcard race is so slow, even the yet-to-be-formed Seattle expansion team haven't been eliminated from playoff contention. Jack Eichel is just the second Buffalo Sabres player in the last 20 years to reach the 60 point mark before 53 games. I bet those Sabres fans are happy now. They don't have that loser Conor McDavid playing on their team. Finally, Jumbo Joe Thornton is flying up the record tables, passing Mr Hockey for 9th all-time in assists and tying Timu Solani for 15th in points. Still no word on the location of Mr Thornton's cockerel. And that was your smooth recap. Alright, good stuff, good stuff. Who have you got winning the cup this week, Will? Uh, winning the cup this week, Dan. Um, the only obvious choice this week, as any week, uh, the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> as um, they've clearly solved all of their woes for for the year. Not not by not by firing Randy Carlyle. Not by you know Bob Murray instilling himself behind the bench as uh, as the Joseph Stalin of NHL teams. No, it's by calling up. 
whatever his name is, their AHL goaltender, and he got a got a shout out in his first game. So they finally fixed their one glaring weakness between the pipes. So well done, Anaheim. You're uh, you're you're on the road to greatness. Well played. It was Kevin Boyle. Kevin Boyle was the, uh, the young goalie. That's I thought. A bit of I thought he sounded like. Due. I thought he sounded like um, just a made up player. Like <laughs> he's a he's a one of those regenerated ones in an HL nineteen when you get too far into a franchise mode and the the computer starts making up players. Kevin oh, yeah, Boyle, what a goalie! And then you end up with names like that, that an eighteen year old would never have, like Kevin Boyle. <laughs> Kev, Kevin Boyle. Well, well, I don't want to rain on your duck parade, as it were. Hey. But it's clearly obvious that the one team winning the cup now is the team that won the postseason, and that's the St. Louis Blues, a team that is on fire. I actually watched I watched the second Blues-Preds game, and I don't know what's happened to Vlad Tarasenko, but he suddenly started playing like uh, Vlad Tarasenko. So <laughs> something's happened. I don't know what. But though that team now looks ridiculously good and are playing very well. So there you go. The Blues are winning the cup. The uh, the equipment manager for the Blues hung... Um, they normally hang their jerseys with the logo facing out. So you, you come in and you see the blue the blue note and you think, right, this is who I'm playing for today. And for some reason he put Tarasenko's in the wrong way round. So it was that Tarasenko 91 facing out. And he was like, oh shit, I thought it was fucking Scotty Upshaw. <laughs> Just needed that I little forgot. reminder. I forgot I was me. Mate, how how are they in the first wild card? I just and they've got two games in hand on Mini. Like Jesus fucking Christ! I know. There are just you talk about peaking at the right time. Jesus Christ! I don't, right still a still basically thirty games to go, Dan. Plenty oh, of uh, fair point. All right, fair point. Fair point. We've seen a lot of streaks this year, to be honest. So yeah, that's a good point. And 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 that's long enough for a team that has been crap for a long time to return to being crap. We said that, didn't we, a few weeks ago, how shit the West wildcard race is. And if one team just puts a run together, they'd be in it and quite comfortable. At the moment, that's the Blues. So and the I moment, think they're about to be joined by the Blackhawks in this, right, aren't they? Far no. Your stars are up there, though. We wrote those at the start. What were we going to say after we said about Jim Nil, didn't we? <laughs> Saying, can all the teams look fucking a bunch of horse shit? And ever since then, Tyler Sagan suddenly started playing like Tyler Sagan. No, 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 no. What what happened was Jim Light's called Tyler Sagan. Oh, Jim Light, sorry. That's fine. That's fine. That's not what I have issue with. <laughs> what I take issue with, Dan, is the fact that he was finally horseshit when he was shooting at 7% when his career average is 11. And um, just because he's now shooting at 17%, he's suddenly not horseshit. <laughs> what a funny coincidence that is. What a funny, funny coincidence. Um, but I think I think the stars are a great representation of why the West this year has been so bad because, you know, having having watched the Stars more closely than I've watched any other team this season, they are not a good team. They are not a good team and they've been comfortably <laughs> in the playoff spot since October. <laughs> like, and they they lost their number one defender for, for six weeks. They, they lost a large majority of um, NHL quality defensemen for a long, long time. They are still playing Taylor Fadoon on their third pairing, a player who was scratched in the AHL at the uh, at the beginning of this year. Granted, Fadoon is, is playing well and he's a decent player, but still, the narrative stands that um, a not very good team has not had to worry about falling out of the playoff race for quite some time. All right, who's getting relegated? 
uh, the Edmonton Oilers. It's it's probably a cheap <laughs> option, but like this is just getting ridiculous, isn't it? I'd say it's getting ridiculous, but it's been this ridiculous since two thousand and seven. And um, if anyone was a candidate for sort of long term, yeah, if they suddenly in- introduced relegation halfway through the season and were like, right, we're going to do it fairly, we're going to sort of do like an aggregate kind of thing, we're going to have an audit of the league for the last ten years, who deserves to be relegated the most? It's the Oilers, so I'm going to relegate the Oilers. Can't argue with that. Uh, I think getting relegated, it's got to be the Florida Panthers. Clearly in clearly in tank mode, offloading players. The latest one is Huberdeau is the latest player, rumoured to be leaving, trying to make some more money under the cap. They're bringing in Penguins' mistakes. And did you hear Anton Hudobin's quotes just putting a nail in them the other night? Playing in oh, front well, of 9,000 fans. <laughs> it feels like an exp- exhibition game, but you know it's not. <laughs> yeah. So the arena can hold 20,000 and there was 9,000 fans there. And he said... And I will quote this. When you're playing all the time with the full building, you come to a building like this, it feels like an exhibition game. But at the same time, you understand it's not. Oh, dear me. 9,000 fans. Shit. Oh, but obviously, Hudobin wasn't there at this time, but it is a bit rich coming from a player for the Dallas Stars who, as of about a decade ago, were very much in the same position as the Florida Panthers were. <laughs> deep yeah, but deep in bankruptcy. So that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> it's what have you done for me lately? Who's exactly. been turning up recently? Is. Yeah, exactly. That's all this league is. What have you done for me lately? All right. Starters, who are you starting this week? Oh, actually, how many have you got? Uh, I've got one of each. One of it. I'm going going streamlined this week on a bit of a, a bit of a diet. Okay, I'll do my two. I've got a couple of easy ones before I launch into an absolute blockbuster for my starters. Yeah, now, mate. So oh. a couple of my quick, couple of quick starters here. Marshall, uh, Marshall calling Berger on God in an interview made me chuckle. Because or just, the, the, did he just do it casually like a like a pronoun? Yeah. <laughs> well, he, I mean, Bergeron is a kind of god, let's be honest. But the the interviewer said, I guess you can, after obviously the 1,000th game, I guess you can class Bergeron as, you know, just an exceptional pro. And Marshan said, yeah, all god. It's just, that just made me happy. That's a selfish one, sorry. And then another amazing thing was the Golden Knights Twitter was playing Connect 4 with the Blue Jackets Twitter. Did you see that? I feel like it's, I've seen that before. I've never seen that before. I didn't know you could do it, but there's a way to play Connect Four on Twitter. So the Golden Knights were playing the Blue Jackets. I was engrossed. Who uh, who won? I can't remember that much. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> I legit can't remember. But it was one. They played twice, and it's one all. I know that much, <laughs> but I can't remember who won this time. But I was very surprised. All right, what's your start? I'm uh, I'm going to do my best impression of of Sean McIndoe, Down Goes Brown, and be um off the pace when it comes to pop culture. I'm going to start okay. the the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix because I watched it oh last night and it was God. just just incredible. Like I've, it's the first time in a long time that I've been my mouth has been agape at a documentary, and it's oh my I just it was just incredible. Like to, all right, just on you. Oh God! Just quickly, just quickly, just quickly, just quickly. We were gonna. I said a few weeks ago. We, we when you watched it, we would talk about it. So we're going to kind of break, like how we normally do the show is quick starters, quick scratches, blah, blah, blah. But we'll talk about this now because, yeah, while we're on the subject, we've got to talk about it. Off you go. So like, I'd, I had a rough, funnily enough, Dan, I wasn't the target audience for uh, for Fire. So I, I didn't necessarily um, get the, I'd, yeah, I, it's surprising. To, to be honest, seeing some of the attendees in that bloody documentary, I was surprised I wasn't the fucking target audience. Um <laughs> Like the geezer who looks like bloody Prince William. Um, 
some mate. I thought about that guy. That guy came on the screen, and I was like, "Oh, is he like a security coordinator or something?" And he's like, "When I got my ticket, I was like, holy shit, you were going? What the fuck and are the you ginger, doing there?'" The ginger kid with like the slick back hair is like, "Fucking, who are these dweebs? Like, what the fuck?" I know. Um, <laughs> so, so like, when it was happening, I sort of, as everyone did, heard little bits about it. But oh, mate, seeing the behind the scenes of it and. Um, and the sort of dirt that some people were dishing on it, it's just incredible. I can't... I, I'm still processing it now, to be honest. Like, I can't believe that all of it happened. And yet I'm so glad that it did. That was just absolutely amazing. And, and like you get with so many of these things, the characters that were involved, it's just beautiful. I'm going to give Netflix a lot of credit because they, they've become amazingly good at producing documentaries mm. they're all just fabulous whatever the whatever the subjects whatever's going on i don't know how they've done it i don't know if there is a documentary team out there that you would call on to make a doc like an a-grade documentary like if you want to make an a-grade film you call spielberg or you call chris nolan or whatever maybe there is one for your documentaries i don't know but if there is i can only assume netflix has them well I'm going to say six words to you. Six single words that explain everything about this documentary. Andy King sucking dick for water. <laughs> for Funnily enough, hell. that was the bit where my mouth was most agape and I just couldn't believe it. I, could, I, oh. I hope, I hope anybody who's listened to this, I hope you've all seen this documentary. Quick thing. It was a fire fest. It was blown up online. They had all these Instagram models promoting it. It's meant to be a weekend of just craziness and beautiful women and swimming pigs. And it's on this amazing island. You essentially own the island for a few days. And it's just someone a someone described disaster. it in the documentary. Someone described it as living. It's Instagram come to life. I think that was a very yes. apt way of yeah. putting it. Billy McFarlane um, is essentially. <laughs> peak NHL agent. I would want him as my NHL agent. He is, as I've mentioned before, he is one, one of my favourite words, an absolute shyster. Mate, I'll, I'll tell you now. Absolute shyster. The man's going to be president of the United States before he dies. <sighs> I do not, I do not doubt that for a second. I couldn't agree more. Oh, it's just, and, and when, um, when Andy King's telling that story about, um, <laughs> If you don't know, was... essentially, there's no water available on this third island because it's all gone to shit. This man, Andy King, who's, who finances, who helps to finance Billy McFarlane. Billy McFarlane's one of the guys who sets up Firefest to, to make it a thing. Andy King is this gay guy who finances Billy McFarlane's wacky schemes. And there are, was it four trucks? Six trucks? Yeah, it's an odd I think it's four. Yeah, it's four trucks odd. full to the brim of Evian water. Just, I mean, thousands of bottles it must have been. See, I, Bahamian... I don't know if they said bottles, but I, I just thought they were like, just <laughs> a big loose, loose, loose water. They're just going to tap up a, <laughs> like a container crate. <laughs> just a big straw sticking out the top. <laughs> Coming out like fucking so, Michigan water. Yeah, so the bah- Bahamian customs don't want to let this water through unless they get sort of the palm greased... And Billy McFarlane rings Andy King and says, you're our gay superhero. Can you go down there and sort this out? And Andy King says, I was fully prepared to go to the office, see the guy who wasn't letting the water out, and I was going to suck his dick for that water. 
<laughs> mate, I nearly, I nearly fell on the floor. I was laughing so much. I mean, fair play to the guy. Why would you even admit to that? Just, oh my god, that that whole part of the interview. Um, it was very, very, very reminiscent of that Jason Arnott goal. Now that you mention it, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, he's not gonna. You know what? That's not really gonna happen, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. When oh, you start mate. saying you're a gay superhero, you're like, no, you go. This isn't, is it? Oh no, it is. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm, oh my god. I need you to take one for the team, Andy. Oh my god! Like the fucking the nerve. Of this Billy guy, to... I don't care how close you are to anyone or what their orientation is. Like, could you like go and suck his dick? Like, but that's that is oh, like. The... <laughs> to be fair, if there was ever anything that's worth you know, giving up your services for, drinking water is probably high on the list. Um... Yeah, but not for not because not for a bunch of fucking rich Instagram clout hoarders. <laughs> <laughs> like they can fuck off. Yeah, you're clouding the situation with logic yeah. there, Dan. I'd, I'd fucking I think look that... at my dad's. I'd look at my fucking dad's arsehole for water if it meant I could live <laughs> for, for like a party. Fucking no shot. Fuck that. Ugh. That's that's great to know, Dan. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that whole um, that whole bit with Andy King is just the perfect summation of how ridiculous the whole situation around Fire Festival was. As just. Hilarious, like the, the funniest guy, thing I've seen in the so guy long. who was the guy who was flying the plane for them to get them to and from the islands learned to fly the plane from a flight simulator computer game, and it showed them clips of him doing zero g dives. And Jar Rule is in this little six seater fucking <laughs> one of those planes, like. In zero G, just floating, going, oh, this shit crazy, yo. I'm like, dude, you're going to die. You're going to die because this fucking idiot's flying this plane. And I love oh. how he, the, the pilot goes from some geezer who's learning how to fly a plane on fucking Microsoft Flight Simulator. Six months later, he's flying Jar Ruler and, and this Billy guy all around the world. And then <laughs> after that, he's like, the head of fucking sewage and infrastructure for this <laughs> festival, all just because he's some like Norwegian guy flying a plane. <laughs> so, what is going on? But they're talking, aren't they? They're like, what are we going to do about sewage? There's no sewage here. <laughs> oh, we need like a thousand port We need like a thousand portable toilets. I'm sorry, <laughs> we don't have those. Okay. Some of the things I loved. The, the the first island they went to, do not mention that this island was owned by Pablo Escobar, okay? <laughs> Whatever you do, we do not want this island being linked to that murderous fucking despot, alright? The first promotional video, everyone wanted to party on an island owned by Escobar. I was like, fuck! <laughs> immediately. Immediately. And they just got kicked off the island. Like, get out. Oh, dear. Oh, it filled me with so much joy. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. It's one of the best things I've seen for years. And at the end, at the end, when they're talking to Jaw Rule, and they're saying, "Well, we committed fraud," he's like, "Nah, it wasn't fraud. We just like this lied to false them advertising. Yeah, <laughs> it was just false advertising for monetary gain." Fucking <laughs> <laughs> what? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me! Oh dear me! I tell you what, Jaw was... Jaw Rule's a lot smaller than I had assumed he was. I think a lot of rappers are a lot smaller than you think. Is yeah, that what I mean, Lil like Lil John is like five foot three or something? Yeah, but Jar Rule's not Little Jar Rule, is he? 
and and Ja Rule <laughs> and Ja Rule is actively out there with like the deepest, gruffest voice that I think I've ever heard on record. It, it, all all Billy McFarlane and Ja Rule did was clink beers and like bro five each other. That was all they did. Wait, when <laughs> people when Billy McFarlane spills his beer on like the the Norwegian the pilot's like map of like right this is how big it is this is how many people we want it, and it just spills like a corona all over his fucking map <laughs> I, I said to Grace while we were watching the whole thing is basically a bunch of geezers go on like a lad's holiday and then while they're on holiday they're like why don't we just fucking invite everyone? And then <laughs> it was, yeah. Just... It was essentially a bunch of bro dudes go on holiday and then think, hang on a minute, why don't we organise a super holiday with no planning? It'll be fine. We'll just charge people like thirty grand to come. Yeah, we we can't talk about it too much because we're just going to ruin it for people that haven't seen it. But mate, nah, it's been out for ages. It's been out for ages. Has it been out for? It feels like it's only been out for like a week, but I don't know. Nah, it's been out Obvi- for a while. obviously I not. I watched it. Like, yeah, at least three weeks ago I watched it, so it's been out for a while. And then, it was in, amazing, though, wasn't it, how quickly it turned into Lord of the Flies. The oh, second mate, people I got love there it. Loved it. and realised, hang on, this is fucked. And they start, like, <laughs> for some reason, was it that was it that Asian dude just starts pissing on other people's bedding? Like, why? Yeah, why? This, <laughs> this guy that's like, you know, he seems fairly rational, and he's just, like, telling it how it is, like, yeah, oh, blah, blah, blah. We started to feel like it was... You know, something was off when we were being held at this one restaurant for eight hours, being fed tequila, and we hadn't been to the campsite yet. And then it's just like, oh yeah. And then the sun went down, and people started like taking mattresses, and like it was absolute madness. So me and my mate just started pissing on everything. <laughs> so fucking hold on a second, mate. Oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> it took such a wild turn that that guy in like two minutes went, oh fuck it, I'm gonna piss on everything. What? I felt like. Oh. In, in amongst all the hilarity of like uh, rich rich okay. people getting ripped off and other rich people going to jail for being idiots and just the whole ridiculousness of it all, I feel so bad for those Barbadians. Like, mate, when that when that one woman is like, I had to use was, all my savings Bahamas, to Bahamas, not Barbados. Bahamas, oh, sorry, the Bahamas. Yeah, do forgive me. Um, yeah, the the. The people on that island and like the woman's like I had to use all my savings to pay these staff that worked around the clock and it's like mate as funny as it was like this fucked up a lot of people's lives least least of all well, they, with violence they set up a GoFundMe for the woman at the restaurant mm. did you know that and it raised no, like didn't. over 200 yeah it raised over 200,000 dollars oh god that's fantastic I know, and and then they've done another one now for the labourers who were working trying to build everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Billy McFarlane had no <laughs> the fucking catering. I just remember he had like he had like for the the cheese on toast. <laughs> he said, he said, didn't they? Like the advertiser, essentially, they're going to have this five star restaurant quality service food, and they got the, they got this like really renowned party caterers to come in who charged a fortune and with two weeks to go Billy McFarlane goes you're all fired every single he fired every single member of the catering staff rang Andy King famed water dick sucker and said yeah we've got no catering staff can you fix this and the upshot was was what all the pictures you saw which was essentially cheese in between some bread with a bit of lettuce <laughs> that was in a, a polystyrene in a polystyrene box that was your five star catering it's a cult it's it, at the time, it was a cultural phenom, just from 
seeing everything that happened and watching it in real time as people were saying, oh my God, there's no beds here. Oh my God, there's no food here. Oh my God, what's happening? We can't even get flights back home. Send the army. Please send help. People are, you know, we're, we're going to start starving soon. And then to just watch it again on Netflix, it just brought it all back. And to just see what went on behind the scenes was insane and just ridiculous. It's a must-watch. It's a must-watch. I think a massive cherry on top of the already very delicious cake was that bit where... And like, it's, it's things that go wrong that I hadn't even thought about, which is probably an example of why I shouldn't organise my own festival. And funnily enough, <laughs> I wasn't planning on doing so because I'm a fucking lunatic like Billy McFarland is. Yeah. When when the luggage arrives <laughs> and they don't have any tags on the luggage and they say find your luggage <laughs> it's in that pile off you go how do we come back from that okay so this is my blockbuster star okay oh yeah <sighs> okay 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 why, why do I feel like I'm about to be severely underwhelmed this might be the most divisive thing I've ever said on this show and this is from a guy who it. said once that I didn't like Star Wars, okay? And I want to apologise to those who disagree with me, but this is my stance, and I am sorry. I'm not trying to save my skin or anything, but I'm very passionate about this, and I don't know where you stand, Will, and if you want to distance yourself from these comments, that's fine. But I'm starting pineapple on pizza, because it's bloody delicious. I knew it. Fucking whatever. I no, I like it. I don't like it. It's not for me, but... I don't know. It's it. It is like people get like that whole thing sort of passed. I'm sure it's going to come back again. Oh, pineapple on pizza! How dare you? Like whatever. It 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 is like the whole thing where people are like, oh mushy peas on pizza, oh yogurt on pizza, bloody the bits that are Hoover. Yeah, this is it. Like that stuff is like, what are you doing? You're just being ridiculous. Pineapple on pizza is just a thing. Right? Whatever, yeah, dude. People are crazy shit. over it. People are crazy yeah, people, over it. People are crazy over it. People need to sort of fucking lives out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if you if you're getting if you're getting that upset about someone someone else having pineapple on a pizza, like sort your priorities out. All right, you've talked me down. I'm glad. Yeah, pineapple As I've said on before, you fine. are the sobering yin to my raging yang. So thank I you. I mean, I I think a bit less of you for eating it, but I'll, I'll stand <laughs> by I you. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I'll, I'll stand by you for yeah. You're allowed to do so. I just yeah. <laughs> you're one of those fucking pizza truthers, aren't you? That's what you are. I knew it. Tell, I tell you what, I love a good margarita. Love a good margarita, Dan. You can't you can't That's say no stuff. to a pure. Oh no, 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 don't don't get me wrong. I love all types of pizza, but I think the margarita. All right, now you've just said. Now you just said the most divisive thing ever. Jesus Christ, well, could you be more dull? Mate, I'm not saying it's my favourite type. I'm just saying that it doesn't get enough respect. What more would you want? Just bread, tomato and loads of cheese. It's just pure and delicious. If you came to my house and for tea I gave you a bread, cheese and tomato sandwich, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? Fire festival. Get the fuck <laughs> Like, I want something else. This is it's bullshit. A, it's, not, it's not a sandwich though. It's not a sandwich. It's pizza. It's all fried and stuff. Oh, what? If, if you gave me a cheese toasty? I'd be like, sick of cheese toasty. Cheers, mate. When there's so I many think... things to put on a pizza and you just go for a margarita. I don't know, man. <laughs> mate, oh, for a little, little, ch- little change every now and again. Like, oh, just chuck a chuck a little margarita in there. Oh. It's like vanilla ice cream. Vanilla ice cream gets too much stick. Vanilla is delicious. But that's ice cream. Ice cream is awesome. Anytime. So is pizza. 
Ah, yeah, maybe you're right. Any kind of any kind of pizza is good, man. Um, apart from pineapple pizza, but then anyway. <laughs> there you go. All right, how many scratches? You go. Uh, I've <laughs> got I've got one scratch, and I'm gonna scratch uh, abduction in plain sight, which I'm part way through watching, and um, is the uh, the antithesis of the fire festival documentary in that it's absolutely incredible, but it makes me feel sick to my stomach and absolutely horrible. Okay, so abducted in plain sight is terrible and bad. And I'm a bad person for what I'm about to say. Oh, we're fuck. On that already. So, go wait, on so you, you gave me the opportunity to distance myself from the comments you were going to make about pineapple <laughs> on pizza, and you're not giving me the same grace for whatever you're about to say now, which I think is all a right, bit disrespectful. All right. all right, all right, all right. You may distance yourself from these comments. There are parts for abducted in plain sight, isn't there? <laughs> I'm sorry, but it just is. The whole, the, the, the main subject. No, that is terrifying and horrendously bad. Some of the stuff around it, though, involving the family, is hilarious. In the, a very wrong way. The, the more Christ. Jeremy Kyle side of things yes, has, has elements of humour, which would be a whole lot funnier if it wasn't directly involving a fucking paedophile and kidnapper. Yes. That's why it's bad. That's why it's bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you see why it's bad, Dan. I'm glad that yeah, you've got... got your moral compass is at least slightly aligned to understand why it's bad. <laughs> yeah, of course. But some of it, man. Oh my god. <clears throat> my mouth was a agog for very different reasons to Firefest, but it was still a gog. Followed by me just shaking my head laughing. <laughs> I d I don't even wanna I don't think I could finish this episode. No, we we just got to move on. We just got to move on. Okay. <laughs> USA Today Sports, with the most basic thing that really annoyed me, with the headline, goalie P.K. Subban buys girlfriend Lindsay Vaughn a goat cake. <sighs> this really bugs me, because you and me, Will, we're just a two-bit operation. But we really try, we really do try to make sure this show is good. I do a lot of work sort of researching and making sure like all these facts are right and I'll double check three times and four times and all this kind of thing. At least get his fucking position right or don't even try and be smart and put goalie. If you're the USA Today Sports and it's an official thing, just fucking get it right. Like people are coming to you for certain headlines now and again and putting goalie PK Subban just riles me. The fact that it was a sports page as well. Like... <laughs> it was like Entertainment Tonight or something. Well, no, it's not. It's not right in the middle where you've got all the gossipy sort of celebrity stuff. Yeah, it's um, it's yeah, the sports bit. It's pretty embarrassing. And and in the link that was being shared around, like um, the headline says goalie, and then in the sort of blurb underneath to tell you what the article's about says National Predators defenseman PK Subban. <laughs> oh, fucking hell! Come on, know, yeah. come it's on, guys! Worse. You're better than this. And the last scratch is something very personal to me. As I found out this week, but Mario Party 2 was released when Carter Hart was one and a half years old. And well, I remember playing that game in college. <laughs> college. <laughs> and I saw that and I was like, oh, fuck off. I'm so fucking old. And these kids are coming through now playing in NHL and it's terrifying. They're just showing my life flashing before my eyes and I can't take it. I can't take it. So it's uh, the sad thing about growing old, Dan, that um, the media you're interested in dates you. <laughs> it's like a constant reminder of just how old you are. Let's get on to the headlines. 
Should we start with a certain contract signing in Toronto and the fallout thereof? Oh, mate. It's been that long. I know. You know, I guess you could always wait, but I had no problem uh, signing during the season. Um, you know, and obviously I'm very proud uh, proud to be a Maple Leaf today and uh, for the foreseeable future. How long were the talks going on there? Uh, I don't know. I think they kind of... Um, you know, heated up a bit the last two weeks, and uh, my agents, uh, you know, Kyle and, and management, uh, you know, I'm sure talked uh, quite a bit, and then um, you know, kind of finalized it today. So uh, it's, it's definitely a pretty special day for myself, my family, and you know, I'm very excited. Austin Matthews, done deal, 11.634 AAV over five years. Well, let's get this first out of the way. Uh, do you like this deal? Oh, love it! Absolutely love it! Like. We, you know, we've said before, taking an eight-year deal when you're coming off your RFA years, like, uh, sorry, off your entry-level contract, stupid, shooting yourself in the foot. And I hope that this is going to set the trend for um for the way that contracts go in the future. And I think it really made me realise or remember Austin Matthews is more of a trendsetter in this league than we remember or are reminded. You think, you know, he played. He played pro hockey in Switzerland for his draft year. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of what every single draft eligible player has done in the history of the National Hockey League, but it's not happened very often. And I think, yeah, he's... I don't know, he might be not as big charisma-wise, you know, have that massive a character like P.K. Subban does, or, you know, thrust in the limelight as like Conor McDavid is to an extent. But I think Austin Matthews definitely... He's one of the more interesting players in the league, and I think he's got a chance to to really drag this this league into the future, and maybe end up sort of on par with yeah. This is a step towards NBA style sort of contracts and stuff like that, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I think so for sure. And I'd love to see. <clears> that. I mean, I'd love to see like player options and shit, just because the drama it creates. I mean, guys, guys signing one year mega max deals, and then. Just to try and win a cup or something, and then one year out it starts again. Where's he going to go next time? What is he? Is he going to stay? Is he going to move on again? Does he just bounce around all these teams? Does he do a Yaga except doing it in his prime, just making twelve, thirty million every year? Yeah, when he's like twenty-four like and he's putting up hundred points every yeah. year, <laughs> and he's just a hired gun going out there like, all right, who's off me the most money this year? Then okay, I'll see you in a few weeks, Philly. I'll be out, and that's yeah, it. No- None of this, like, oh, I floundered 15 years of a team that made the playoffs twice, and now I'm going to go out and try and win a cup when I'm 37. Like, fucking get out of there. Yeah, exactly. It's, oh, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And, and any fan out there is kidding themselves if they don't love the excitement of a star player going elsewhere, like the Stamkos sweepstakes, John Tavares going back to uh, back to Toronto. Anything that's going to happen this year with like Carlson and Panarin and Bobrovsky to a lesser extent, Mark Stone. Like, I think there's someone's going to be so exciting if if the players that are available to get to the free agency that seem like they're going to get to free agency get there, it's going to be incredible. Absolutely. I thought it was interesting during his press and Matthews mentioned he doesn't he doesn't mind that he signed during the season, and you know I do like my conspiracies well, and I'm wondering. This whole contract, getting it signed mid-season, was all calculated by Matthew's agent, right? I mean, get his signed before the Leafs brass have to start worrying about money. Because once the second guy signs from the three degrees, it then puts the 
the last guy to sign in a tougher spot. If Mana wants more money and things don't work out, they're going to say, oh my God, he signed his contract and wanted more money. That's that's disgraceful. But then does he take less money? But then he's thinking, well, why the fuck should I take less money? This is bullshit. I, th- I think it was a very smart move getting him signed earlier on. I thought it was a really smart move. The, the Mana one is going to be interesting now because... Yeah, there's all the talk of how comparable stats-wise Marner and Matthews are. And I think there's definitely an argument that you know, Marner is a $10 million player to, to a certain extent. I absolutely as think much as you can, Yeah, as much as you can say, oh, you know, wingers aren't worth as much as centres and, oh, yeah, he's playing with uh, with John Tavares. He doesn't strictly drive his own line. Like, I don't know, the facts are the facts. You know what I mean? Like, and I do and have I think the numbers here if you'd like them. Oh, I'd love him. I love a good number. <clears throat> yep, so in 186 games, Austin Matthews, 182 points. In 215 games, Mitch Martin, 197 points. That's not quite that comparable, but to an extent, you're splitting hairs it's close over 20 enough. points. Sort yeah, of thing. it's close enough, isn't it? Yeah. I, I reckon Martin will come in at sort of between 9 and 10, probably close, like 9 and a half sort of thing. Really? I think he'll come in nine and a half, and I reckon he'll go. He'll go the term. He'll get like eight years at nine and a half. I'm very. I'm surprised. I think he's getting at least ten and a half. No, no. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because, and I didn't. I did not know this. I did not know this. The biggest story here is the ink from Austin Matthews' fresh quill was barely drying the parchment when talk immediately goes to Mitch Marner, doesn't it? I mean, like the next day. It was essentially, Austin Matthews is signed, great. SoCal, Mitch Marner. And you must have been thinking, oh, guys, like a day. Give me one can, day, can please. Leave it out. I was going to go for a lot of these games tonight. Like, leave it out. I've just, signed, I've just signed this awesome player. Just give me a day to chill. So Duba says that the Leafs won't be rushed into sorting out a deal per his camp's request. But then Darren Ferris quickly points <laughs> in an amazing piece of, I'm going to maybe try and kill my client's contract here. Darren Ferris quickly points out that he would have signed already if the Leafs weren't trying to lowball him, which was a wild thing to say. He then continued to stir the pot when he pointed out that nobody else would be taking a discount. Why would you then ask Mitch Marner to take a discount? That's not fair. And that Marner already did them a favour on his entry-level deal. So this is what I didn't know. When Lou signed Mitch Marner to to his ELC, the deal included A bonuses that were worth $850,000. And there was a bunch of B bonuses worth $2 million. They were not in Mitch Marner's contract. No, he didn't have to schedule Bs. When Matthew signed his deal, the ELC, they had both A and B. I never knew that. The idea was, was that Lou said, that's fine, we'll take care of you on the other end. Now, here's my conspiracy. I hope somewhere Lou's rubbing his hands, cackling, like old people do, <laughs> because he knew, well, when this comes up, I've already, I'll, I'll already been shit-canned. I've only got three years here. Kyle, fucking, it's already been made clear that I'm I'm out. So he, sell, he sells Dubas, a shiny, fancy blue car. It's got a new engine, Tavares. He gets some new wheels, Neolander, a fancy new steering system, Mana, and a nitrous boost, Matthews. But Dubas doesn't realise is that the place where Lou gets all his car parts from doesn't like Kyle. And now he's got to pay a full price. 
lose signing that minor contract. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll sort you out. Yeah, we'll scratch off these schedule Bs. We'll get you on your on your second contract. Signing that, he's thinking, fuck this kid and fuck that kid sitting <laughs> in the AGM office. <laughs> exactly, you know it. Oh, fucking man. Kyle Dubas is doing no. that fucking grinny face. He always does that just kind of cheesy grin looking at Lou thinking, I'm going to get your fucking job, old man. But Lou's smiling back thinking, yeah, I'm going to fuck you over, boy. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know the schedule. I didn't know Mark no. didn't, have, didn't have those B bonuses in his contract. Which when you, of... If you think about it, yeah, $2 million. If you're saying to me, we're not going to put the $2 million, I'm thinking, well, I fucking bet get those, I bet get those at the back end then when my, new, when my proper first contract comes up. Well, I'm going to want them. He's a number a number four overall pick as well. Like, I assume Darren Ferris was his agent when he signed his ELC, or um, or his representative, as you have to call him when you're in junior. Like, he's done a diabolical job. If Darren Ferris was responsible for that, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. But he not just pay us later. But not if, but not if you have an agreement. If you have an agree, not obviously not written down, but if you have like an agreement with them, like okay, well, he's not going to get a schedule B's, but. You're going to sort him out, aren't you? Absolutely, we will sort him out. No, I man. promise no, you. It's no, going to no, be no, fine. no, 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 no. So, so what? No. Marna signs his contract now, and Dubas is like, right, yeah, we're going to give you like four million for eight years, but then after that, after that, we're going to give you a max contract. We're going to give you 16 million for eight years, all all bonus money, give you a little under the table payment. You can be part owner of lease trust. Just sign this four million one for eight years. No. Like you can't. No, I don't mean when I say the back end. I don't mean his last deal. I mean like they're gonna like his his first deal when he gets his first big money deal. That they said when you get your first big money deal, we'll take care of you. Don't worry about yeah. it. You'll be fine. Yeah, that's not that's not like that's not the point. You're negotiating that deal at that point because especially with those bonuses based on like the performance, they're basically saying we don't want to pay you for what you do. So, like, you know, the Schedule B ones are generally, like, if you're top 10 in point scoring, I think if yeah, you make yeah. the All-Star game and stuff like that. So it's it's saying, like, right, we, you know, we want to sign you, but we don't want to give you any incentive to to perform over and above. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can play as well as you want, but you're not getting any extra compensation compared to your yeah. peers. And Darren Ferris cannot, or any agent, you know, I don't know if it was Darren Ferris, I assume it was, um, you can't be negotiating one deal and then have the other side say, oh, the next deal will sort you out. No, because you might not be around. Like, Mitch Marner might... Anything could happen between then and that next deal. You have to get the max on on that deal. You know, you can't be... You can't be negotiating things based on future considerations. That's, I'm not even an agent and I assume that that's agenting 101. You make a great point. You make a great point. That's ridiculous. But that's but that's, in, but that's interesting, though, right? Mm. That now, now I cannot, this little cannot believe that. Well, there you go. That's why I guess <laughs> it was amazing though <laughs> the day after Darren Ferris had to backtrack as fast as a man has ever backtracked in his life because it's clear. I don't believe for one second Man is going anywhere else. He, I, I believe a billion percent he's staying there. I mean, he's a good Ontario boy after all, as we all know. But that's why I think he's going to get that money. Is that is that bonus thing? I just think, however it's happened, however it's happened, I don't know if 
I don't know if even Lou had a word in Marna's ear or something. I mean, it's fucking Lou. He's like old, like sneaky fucking Lou, isn't he? <laughs> he's not. He's not going to Mitch Marna saying, "Here are all the terms we'd like to offer you," and I'm going to be completely honest with you. No, he's sidling up to him after practice saying, "Listen, Mitch, can you just do a little favour here? You know, we've t- we need to sort a few things out. Can you help us out? You know, for the good of the team." And Marna's gone. Oh, okay, man. Yeah, sure, man. That's fine. So we then, Lou's gone back to Ferris and said, look, Mitch is fine with it. I've talked through it with him. All right, let's just do this. We'll get it done. And then when he gets his first big deal, you know, we'll make sure he gets 10 and a half, 11 million, whatever. That's fine. But that obviously back then, everyone didn't realize that John Tavares, aka Pajama Boy, was going to be doing what he did. And maybe it threw a bit of a spanner in the works. I don't know. I feel like Lou's sort of the, the other kind of negotiator. He's more of like a nigger. So he's like... Um... <laughs> Like you sidling out to Marner after practice, like didn't do very well out there, did you, boy? You're not all that, really. I bit undersized, don't you? You think it's those the silky army. hands are going to sort you out in the uh, in the NHL? You think you're going to survive a second in my league? You ain't shit. Sign the smile contract. for me, Mitch. Smile for me. Look at you. Got all your teeth as well. Fucking pretty boy. Yeah, we'll see. That's why I think he's getting that money. No, but then then Dubis is going to turn around and say like, fucking no. <laughs> Not, not my problem, mate. Not my problem at all. Yeah, but you won't, will he? He can't. He can, though. Dude. All right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, technically really, he can. I mean, he can. But, I mean, he can. But he won't because he said, and I quote, we can and we will. Once you say that, if you don't then deliver, as... as I, and again, I did, I'm not living in Toronto, even though I consume maybe more Toronto media than anybody else outside of that fucking place, because that's all I see. Down goes Brown, Sean McIndoe made the point the other week that there are already people questioning Dubas in Toronto because it seems like he can't get these contracts sorted out as easily as he made out to be. And there's already people questioning his ability because the Marta thing's already a mess and the Nylander thing was a mess. And he's going to have to... And, once you say we can and we will, if one of those players then walks, that's going to follow you to the grave in Toronto. And, and I like, feel like that... it puts you on the back foot as far as negotiation is concerned as well. Like, Yeah, exactly. You almost want to come out and be like, eh, take them or leave them, really. Plenty more where they And then Fer- Ferris, is, Ferris is coming out saying that, that Marner got lowballed, which fair enough. I mean, obviously, clearly Marner was pissed off that Ferris did this because Ferris had to backtrack the day after like a crazy person, but that's to, out there now. To be fair, if any GM in the league now just has to look at that Nikita Kucherov's contract that he signed mm-hmm. for like three years and four and a half million and just say, well, I've got to try. You never know who's going to fall for that. It's <laughs> a good point. I've got to give it a shot. Come on, man. It's not fair. I had to try. Mitch, how about six years and two and a half million per? And that this is how this is how Dubis is going to be remembered. I get it, you know, he needs to win in a cup and everything, but this is priority right now. He's got to get Mitch Marner signed. Because if he doesn't and they don't win a cup this year, and he's going to be he's going to be treading on hot coals very very quickly with the public. I'm I'm with you though, like Mitch Marner ain't going anywhere because even if he gets off, like he he can't go anywhere if he gets off a sheeted, like Dubas has to match it. Yeah, and um, even if he does get off sheeted, I'm not sure he will sign it. Um, yeah, the talk so. the talk as well, isn't there? Is the idea is, is that a team offer sheets him, but 
at a crazy price. Like um, knowing that Dubas is going to match it just to sort of scuff yeah. up. That's, and, that's well, no, the thing. The Dubas will have to match it to save face. Like, you know, we can and we will. Well, now I've got to fucking match it because I've got to sign him. I have to sign him because I, I said I would. Yeah, like the only reason another GM submits that offer sheet is knowing that Dubas will sign it and to scupper yeah. their plans for the cap, which is something that yeah, it's been floating around a lot of other podcasts this week. But GMs should do that more often. Like yeah, totally. for, for a league that constantly harps on about, oh, it's a business, you know, oh, we didn't want to trade this guy, but it's a business, like blah, blah, blah. We wanted to keep him around, but it's a business. Like they don't treat each other like it's a business. It's the most fucking like timid league of executives in in the entire world. You think in the Premier League there's people tampering left, right and centre like Big okay. Sam with his bloody pint of wine and in, in the NHL it's too much of a country club like they, they're too worried about you know, offending people that are not ruthless like they say they care about winning the Stanley Cup more than anything but if they, if they really did they'd actually do more things to mess each other up. The thing about Florida Making all that, making all that happen, but they've got something like it's like north of thirty million dollars to play with or something this season. Or is it the Columbus who's got north of thirty million dollars? Anyway, some team, so some team, but, whoever. But it's it's either Florida or Columbus. But you would just think one of those just goes in for Marner like eleven and a half or something. Marner, Braden Point, Miko Rantanen, just like throw <laughs> shit at the If one of them sticks, you you're laughing. Yeah, exactly. God, yeah, Bracky, yeah. Because we mentioned this, didn't we, on the podcast a few months ago about this Braden Point contract coming up and the Lightning's cap situation and what they're going to do. And we'll see what he does. Because now yeah. Matthews is, like you said, Matthews is a standard bearer now. Because they're like, hang on a minute, I'm just as good as him. But Braden Point's already at 70 points. That's insane. <laughs> Breeze Bar's going to put, uh, put a bloody Stevie Y mask on, wave a magic <laughs> wand and just be like, yeah, three years at five million, Braden. You get more, you get paid amazing, more than in, Nikita Kucherov did. Yeah, exactly. What's amazing in this league is that all all breeze all the breezy boys have got to do is both of them is go into fucking Braden Point and say, "Look, look at Nikita Kucherov. Look what he did for this team. You're telling me you can't do that for this team? Come on, just take four and a half for a couple of years." And like, all right, then you make a fair point. But you can't do that in Toronto now that Matthews has signed his eleven fucking whatever it is you know eleven and a half million dollar deal. You can't go to Mitch Marner and go, look what Austin Matthews has done for this. Oh, shit. Okay, never mind. Forget that. Forget that. Forget Um, I said that. um, No, what he's done is he's focused his number around his his jersey number. So we're going to offer you $1.6 million per season (laughs) for 16 years. (laughs) For 16 years. Makes sense to me. By the time you finish playing, you'll have tens of millions of dollars. Think about it. Come on. Breezy Boys wants to take take the uh, take the Lou approach and just go bring Braden Point into his office and be like, "You are nothing compared to my sweet boy Nikita. Absolutely nothing. You wish you were worth four point seven million against the cap. You are getting three for seven years, and you will take it like a dog, Braden." Yeah, there is a lot of there is a lot of good players up this summer. A lot of good players. You you have yeah, just busted out this year. That that would be good on any team. And the last thing is on on Dubas. That's how he's going to make his call, in, isn't it? He's got to fill that space around eventually because Manu will sign those four players. That's how he's going to earn his money. He's finding the rest of the pieces of that puzzle. 
Because that's how that's how you really GM. Anybody can sign four really good players. I could sign any four good players, even as a nobody, if I just throw enough money at them. That's simple. It's getting those deals done. It's getting those players to fill in around them. It's those third-line guys who can produce. It's those fucking third-parent defensemen who can produce now and again. It's finding a goalie on the cheap who gets hot. That's how you do it. And to be fair, they've they've already done a lot of that lifting. Yeah. Like, now, yeah. I've said before, Nazem Kadri, $5 million for a 30-goal third-line centre. Yes, please. Yeah. Freddie Anderson, you know, he might not be the best goalie in the league, but for $5 million for a good starter... That's cheaper than a lot of a lot of teams are playing now. Paying rather, um, Morgan Riley, five million for a number one defenseman. It's just like, yeah, that's why Toronto have kick-started through their rebuild so quickly. Obviously, getting Matthews has really helped, and like hitting on Nylander and Marner has really helped. But it's the other little things that they've done. They already had good players to build around. They just built on top of those good players. It's incredible. Absolutely. I'd, I hope more than anything that they can keep going forever and ever because it's fantastic to see. Just as, if they get yes. that defence sorted out, it's a perfectly constructed roster. Okay. Speaking of a roster that's not perfectly constructed, really, <laughs> Randy, as we've mentioned already, Randy Carlisle is gone. You want to get to the big news of the day coming out of uh, Anaheim, and this Anaheim team has fought adversity all season long in the middle of a seven-game losing skid and decided to finally make a coaching change. Earlier today, Randy Carlisle out as the bench boss of the Ducks. Bob Murray, GM, will uh, come down from the ivory tower, and he will take over the coaching duties. Bob Murray with no coaching experience, uh, at least professionally, on his resume. In his second stint with the Ducks, it's pretty fair to say things didn't work out great for uh, Randy Bobandi. So Bob Murray has taken over as interim to another season. And well, you cannot argue with the results. And Bob Murray is undefeated as an NHL head coach. So, I mean, <laughs> is what, he a, what one, a, a, two games? <laughs> one. But he's undefeated, that's not the point. <laughs> Hasn't conceded a single goal since uh, stepping I've behind the bench. Found... As we've just, we've literally just discussed, Will, found an unknown goalie on the cheap who's currently not conceded a single goal in his career. He is undefeated as an NHL head coach. It's amazing. I mean, what, what could go wrong from here? It is, you know, he really is the smartest man in the room. Everyone's looking at this Ducks team all year saying, cool, if it wasn't for John Gibson, they'd be fucked. And, uh, and Bob's come in and said, actually, John Gibson is the problem. So I've got my mm. boy. Kevin Boyle, it's good call Jack him Keith Smith. Boyle. Jack Smith. Keith um, Boyle. <laughs> Keith Boyle sounds like an X Factor contestant. He's not right. that down on his luck. Oh, my name is Keith Boyle, and it just comes out of some absolute Pavarotti type thing. Um, yeah, I was going to say he has to be amazing. Oh, naturally, you can't. You can't. Well, yeah. like much like um, like Susan Boyle. Um, oh yeah, you know. I, d- I feel I feel what Bob Murray's done um, is probably pissed off, or no, not pissed off, but he's he's left a certain other XGM sort of kicking at the ground, thinking "fuck, I wish I'd thought of that." And um, the Teflon Don is probably sitting at home near this Pablo Escobar esque mansion, thinking, "Ah, what I fired." Uh, <laughs> When I fired Tom McClellan, I should have put myself behind the bench. That would have solved all my problems. Oh, mate, I wish. That's the oh. dream world right there. One day. I think 
It's weird with the Ducks because I do think they have. A, I think they've got a good team. I think they've got some really good players. Oh, some. I, yeah, they have some good players. They're not all great. I get that. I mean, Christ. I mean, John, it turns out John Gibson had a laundry list of things wrong with him that needed sorting out, and he's already gone on IR, hasn't he? So, oh, f- but, funny that, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Who, yeah. who would have thought that the uh, the player that was giving like parts of his soul, like he was bloody Voldemort, creating Horcruxes, <laughs> just to keep this team in playoff contention, had uh, had injuries? Who could have possibly seen that coming? Who could have believed the guy facing around 87 shots per night was slowly like water torture being chipped away at every single time a puck hit him in the face or in the chest? It's it's not a good yeah. team, though, is it? Like, there, there are some I players mean, the like... that they're, they're close. They are, I mean, they're close now to being that stage where, all right, we have to rebuild. I mean, you can say they've maybe got one year left, maybe. But I still think that there are certain pieces there that I like. Like I like Lind, I like Lindholm, I like Silverberg, I like Ricard Raquel. I, I think I still think Getzlaff's really good. I know he doesn't really. I guess because he's playing out west. I don't. You don't really hear his name that much. But I. I think he's a good player. And they've got. They've got a great goalie, which is one something you do need. But yeah, going. God, was it two, two fifteen and four or something in the last twenty one? I mean, Christ. I think I've lost. Yeah, that's it. Nineteen out of twenty one, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's a twelve game losing streak in there, and a seven game losing streak, which is not not very good. Well, the problem is, I think they only really need to rebuild their forward core, which I know is is still saying a lot, but it's not like the whole thing's messed up. I think the idea is still really good. You know, like you said, Lindholm's a fantastic player. I love me a bit of Josh Manson. Um, uh, oh, who's the other one? Brandon Montour. Love Brandon Montour. Yeah. Cam Fowler's a fantastic player. You, you, there aren't many teams with a better top four than that. And John, John Gibson is obviously an incredible starter. And uh, and Keith Boyle is uh, the new the new the second coming of Ken Dryden. So you can't beat that for a goalie tandem. And again, <laughs> like you, know, you keep hold of get stuff. You keep hold of Raquel. The problem is up front the contracts and the players they want to get rid of. They're a little bit. Tied into, like you know. Also, when you consider that for the next two <laughs> years, at least after this season, Corey Perry and Ryan Kessler between them are making fifteen and a half million dollars. I think I think Ryan Kessler gets six point eight a year for another three years, and he's had six yeah. points this season. Fuck, that's, that's, he, that's he James might. Neal money. <laughs> God damn, we could be paying James Neal to do that sort of shit. Um, we can pay James Neal a million dollars less to do that. <laughs> this is it. It's, it's inefficiencies. Is it like that little extra million dollars here or there? It's true. It cripples that the team. is so yeah. true. Like, that is so true. You want to shift Ryan Kessler. You want to shift Corey Perry if you want to make anything of it and and sort of jumpstart this team because they. Yeah, I don't think they're a particularly good team right now, but they're not as bad as like LA or Detroit or teams like that. Yeah, but that's the problem what I was is that they're, they're absolutely they're not terrible. They're not like terrible. There's a lot of good pieces there. Obviously, they, they've lost something along the way. Dare I say it? Will in the room, but I think yeah. The 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 problem you've got is that those two players, especially, that accounts for well three Nazem Kadri's basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they're just hamstrung is the problem. Because as much as you know, you can get rid of Adam Henry, you can get rid of. 
your Nick Richies, your your Silverbergs, they're not the problem. It's no. the the top of the lineup is the problem. And I know you can't exactly trade for top of the lineup players, or at least if you can, it's very rare that you do so. But you've got no chance when you know you got the two of those players eating up over a you know what essentially a sixth of your cap on two players that are not worth that money anywhere near that money and they're just getting older and older and worse and worse. I did check out Bob Murray's some of Bob Murray's quotes. He had some choice lines when talking about the team well. Now let me see if you can guess why I liked what he said here. <laughs> and I these are all obviously in quotes. We need people who can lead. I need to be in the trenches. They need to get the passion back. <laughs> this is usually a team full of pride. We're lacking hard work and emotion. We need people who aren't afraid of adversity. Now, I don't know about you, Will, but that's a lot of intangibles right there. <laughs> that all sounds a bit World War One, if you ask me. Trenches and passion. He wants to bring back pride, the battle of the pa- emotion, passion now. Adversity. I feel like Dan Carlin could read me those uh, those quotes and tell me it's from a general <laughs> in the First World War and I'll just believe him. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That was ridiculous. I was reading, I read it, the first couple of lines, and I thought, oh, that's quite funny. That's something I could make a joke about there. And as, it, as I kept reading down, I was like, oh no, this is what he thinks. This is, he is, he, he's another Mr. Intangibles. Can, can we he not skirt right over the fact that Bob Murray has just been signed to a two year extension? And he's arguably as much of a sort of boon to... Not a boon, sorry. As much of a detriment to the Ducks' success as Randy Carlyle has been. <laughs> Again, it's that, it seems that way of sort of pointing the finger at certain people and not other people. Like we talked about for the longest time, Chirley and Edmonton. We mentioned about oh, in fucking Philadelphia, Ron Hextall. Like, are we, are we pointing the finger at the right people here? I mean, no. But Bob Murray has been a bit of a victim of of injury. You know, Ryan, yeah. Ryan Kessler, when he first arrived at Anaheim, was as effective a player as he's ever been, and he was fantastic. Yeah, true, true. That said, everyone knew, similarly to when Brent Seabrook signed his, uh, signed his extension, even at the time, everyone knew, like, mm, that's probably going to bite you in the arse. Granted, it's probably bought, um, bit Bob Murray in the arse quicker than you'd have expected it's still something that a lot of people could have forecasted. And I feel like it would have been one of those times where Michael McCurdy would have invoked his just tell GMs no five times a year and make your money sort of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I I don't think he's been an awful GM, but there are definitely a couple of things that, um, that you can point out that was sort of not deliberately bad, but definitely objectively bad at the time. I mean, the good thing is, I know, I know that um, Bob Murray's now got a really good relationship with his new head coach, so that can that can only bring about positive change. So, some would say they're one P in a pod. Yeah, it's almost like they could be brothers. Well, they're, they're so similar; they could they could be brothers. I don't want to dwell on the next topic too much, because for, I mean, for God's sake, we. I can't, but I can't help myself. Like I couldn't with the Sens last season. I like where this is going. You know, you know where I'm going. This wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be Jersey Gate, would it? <laughs> what are you talking about? I was call you my bloody uh, my boss, which is a bit poor. The Edmonton Oilers, of course. When things are getting thrown onto the ice, will we have to talk about it? Now, 
be it, be it hamburgers, rats, jerseys, yeah. shoes, octopus, uh, catfish, bracelets at Philadelphia, honouring a dead person <laughs> who's literally a legend of that time. You would think that a jersey being thrown on the ice would signal absolute panic stations in a franchise. But, and this might surprise you, as I was doing research for this, just trying to see if I could get anything else on, you know, if there was an interview with somebody who threw it. If you, you know, sometimes you go to like local news, they'll have an interview with the person who threw it or or whatever. This happens quite a lot in Edmonton. I mean... And it might... Yeah. I don't know if it happens, I don't know if it happens a lot in other places. I don't know. But five years ago, they lost six straight and were losing 6-0 to the Blues and an Oilers fan threw their jersey onto the ice. Four years ago, during a game against the Flames, a jersey's thrown on. Ben Scrivens skates over and using his stick, almost like highlights it back into the fans. <laughs> then three years ago, they're losing 4-0 to the Wild. And guess what happens? Now, if you guess the fan threw their jersey onto the ice, you can give yourself two points. And now this, another day, another jersey. And if there's a guy out there, or a woman, in Edmonton, with any common sense, they should be selling cheap replica jerseys outside of Rogers to throw onto the ice when they get another. <laughs> Throwing jerseys. <laughs> Throwing jerseys, $20. You'll make a fortune. Because I'll tell you this, you're going to be throwing jerseys for a long time yet. You're going to throw that jersey, and you're like, ah, oh, shit. I'm out of throwing jerseys. Quick, run outside and get three more. I cannot wait until we're both 135 years old and we're uploaded onto the Matrix. We're still doing this podcast and we're still talking about how they're throwing jerseys Edmonton because it's still fucking shit. Conor McDavid Jr. the fourth has come to <laughs> save the save the the franchise with Keith Gretzky the third, and um, it's just not happening. So, so basically, did you see the, did you, go on. I was, I was going to say every other year, there's a, for the last six years, every other year, there's been a jersey thrown on the ice in Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great stat. I, I, I feel that. I feel like it loses its um its sort of impact when it's just yeah, it loses like, its gravitas, doesn't like, it? Yeah. Like it, if it hasn't worked the first time, if that hasn't brought about <laughs> a significant change for for longer than a year, like the, don't throw it again. That's just it's it's redundant at that point. I hope, I hope it's the same guy doing it every time. Not again. That's it. Sling. He goes back out to the club shop and buys another one. To be fair, their current jerseys are so hideous. I'm not surprised more people aren't throwing them on. Not for displeasure at the team, but just displeasure at the apparel. That's a fair point. We're getting to the point as well now where Conor McDavid is starting to get legit annoyed, isn't he? Did you see that interview the other week when they said, what's it like being Conor McDavid right now? And he went, I'm not even going to answer that question. <laughs> it's like, fuck. This dude's pissed. He's so pissed. Can we, can we take a second to just step back and appreciate how amazing it is that the best hockey player in the world is stuck at the worst franchise in the world? Can we take a second and step back to see that the best hockey player in the world Currently earning $12.5 million a year is furious every day with his life, with his lot in life. He's just genuinely pissed off every to, day. To be fair, though, like I reckon for Conor McDavid playing in the AHL is just as boring as a standard job is for someone. You know, when like, you're a bit under, under-challenged at your job and it's all just a dude, bit too yeah, easy. But dude, he's so not under-challenged. So under 
He's just working with absolute fucking morons every yeah, but, day. But the He's challenge... going to work every day, looking around him like, what the fuck is all this? What am I doing here? Fuck my life. No, but the challenge is like, say you work in a really boring and easy office job and you come in and your mouse doesn't work. And then the next day you come in and your mouse and your keyboard don't work, but you're still expected to do the work. And then the day and after, the like, your monitor only and works I... on half of the screen. And then IT, who's Peter Chili Rayleigh, get rid of your keyboard and give you like a piece of chalk and a piece of chalk and a bit of skate, a bit of slate. <laughs> we got you this instead. What the fuck is this? I can't use this. It's a computer. You'll make it work. You'll make it work. It's fine. It'll be fine. We, be, we believe in your talent. You're gonna, you're gonna drop, yeah. lead us out of the dark ages. <laughs> Pete, Pete, where's my, where's my calculator? We got you an abacus. It's genius. Look, it's just, it's just fucking balls on a, on a, on a bit of metal rod. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. I can't work in these conditions. I'm so, I'm so upset. He's got skates he's and a stick, in... Connor. Come on. <laughs> yeah, he's just descending into madness. Uh, and I'm, I'm loving every second of it. It's, it's just amazing to watch from a purely the... spectator sport point of view. I can't wait because before the before the All Star game, his hair was just getting a bit long. His beard was getting a bit outrageous. He's just going to end yeah. up like looking like Brent Burns, but like the <laughs> the opposite of Brent Burns, where Brent Burns is really happy go lucky, loving life. Colin Davis is going to have like a beard down to his fucking knees, like hair getting caught up in his skates while he skates, and just depressed, absolutely depressed, like a <laughs> like a hockey playing hobo. <laughs> gonna say those players who disappear and then you find out on like there's an article on twitter like six years later do you remember conor mcdavid he's been living homeless for the past four years like holy shit what happened to him yeah i was playing edmonton i just i lost it i went crazy i've been living on the streets ever since like oh my god this poor boy <laughs> is it bad that i want to see that happen like i'm absolutely full from grace and have it all be the edmonton oilers fault i want Okay, so you know I'm going to say something when it's like I have to take a second to gather my thoughts. I want to see how bad they can get before he legitimately loses his cool properly. Before he just says something or does something. And there's a famous, a very famous quote from The Killing Joke in Batman, which is the Joker, and it says, All it takes is one bad day. And something's going to happen. The one thing's going to happen, it's going to tip Connor over the edge. And I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see what it is. When when his career is over and whatever nonsense happens over the next six years or however long's left on his deal, but seven, I think, still. And it's just going to like, you know, you go back to when the draft lottery happens and the look on his face when the Oilers come up and then all of this goes on and like his prime's wasted and, oh, mate, it's just beautiful. But, but damn... <laughs> I've had I've had an epiphany. I feel like um, the hockey gods themselves have come down and touched my brain and given me the knowledge and the understanding of the situation we are currently in, and it's all okay. become so clear. Which uh, which Oilers legend is uh, currently thoroughly involved in the front office? <laughs> Pick which, one. Which which prominent? Fifteen. Which NHL? Legend. Are we going to go, Mister? Are we going to go, Mister Gretzky here? We are going to go, Mister Gretzky, the great one, okay. commonly referred to okay. uh, Wayne oh, Gretzky, not, not Keith, not, not Sorry. Keith. Okay. no Wayne, <laughs> not Wayne, not okay, uh, okay. not um, the other one, Brent. Yeah, Brent, not Brent either. Um, okay. So Wayne, the Wayne is involved 
with the Oilers, the greatest Oilers to ever done the jersey, the greatest player the yeah. NHL has ever seen. Is it any coincidence that Wayne has come back into the fold of the Edmonton Oilers front office <laughs> while <laughs> the greatest talent since Wayne or Crosby is at the Oilers? I know you love a conspiracy there, Dan. Dude, you fucking just blew my mind. Fucking there you go. The great one is trying it. to stifle Conor McDavid so that he doesn't affect his legacy. You heard it here first, folks. I like that Gretzky's like at his house, just having breakfast with his missus, and his missus says, so who have they drafted again? Ah, oh, some kid, Conor McDavid. And she goes, wow, he's amazing. She's watching highlights on YouTube. She's like, oh my God, this guy is unbelievable. And he just chuckles and goes, oh my dear. Darling, you don't know anything. Leave this to me. You were <laughs> never this fast, Wayne. <laughs> these players are so much better than you ever were, Wayne. Like, these defensemen, like, you couldn't do this now. Look at him, though. He can do it. And he's like, yeah, well, we'll see. What do you mean? Nothing. It's fine. We'll see. Trade Taylor Hall. Trade Jordan <laughs> Emily. Milan Luci. Zach Cassian. He's not a bloody emperor. Sixteen and thirty-three. Yeah, <laughs> there's an earpiece in. Uh, there's just an earpiece in Chirelli's ear directly to Gretzky. Trade pick sixteen and thirty-three for Griffin Reinhardt. Okay, Mister Gretzky, <laughs> whatever you say. But Wayne, Wayne, Mister Gretzky, sir, Griffin Reinhardt's been crap in the AHL, let alone the NHL. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it is all going to plan. Do you know what? It's rare as well. It's rare. I will give sympathy to Leafs fans. But it, the problem is, is that Oilers fans, like you Arsenal fans, will have just been spoiled. Well, Leafs fans steady, have had steady this. on, mate. Steady on. It's not no, United no, I'm fan. not having it. No, no, no. This is, Spoil- this is exactly... Oh, no. All right, it's fucking no. over now. You're a Celtic... No. You're a Celtic fan and you're calling me spoiled. You've got a team playing in a fucking Sunday league division winning the league like 9 out of 10 years and you're telling me that I'm spoiled no I was saying about you Arsenal I'm not saying you I'm saying you Arsenal fans Wait, yeah. is it all the all you Arsenal fans now are all like woe is me the sky's falling what are we going to do oh my god this team oh we're 6 in the Premier League how terrible for us meanwhile teams like Fulham fucking Swindon Leeds it's just an absolute dumpster fire of teams fucking- Fucking fuck and Swindon, the Oilers, you're, the Oilers, don't, all the no. success, I don't know. Best teams, stop. What if the bloody hoops ended up sixth in the SPL? You play tear, you tear your hair out, you'd be okay. losing your Two mind. Th- the only other team that had a semblance of hope of challenging you for your titles got done for bloody match fixing and relegated. Like, <laughs> what? You can't. You have got no leg to stand on when it comes to privilege in football fandom, Dan Masters. How dare you? <laughs> two two things. In no. Portugal. Number one, that'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> and number two, it's never going to happen. So that's that's a moot point. Will that doesn't matter. I'm I'm comparing a very successful franchise in hockey to a very successful football team, and right now they're both on the downturn. And to the I'm not saying all the fans, to the majority of their fans, the world is ending and the sky is falling. It's a very simple comparison. I'm not saying Arsenal fans shouldn't be annoyed. They should be annoyed because it's been run badly 
Oilers fans should be annoyed because it's been run badly. But there are teams that are way worse off than you who would kill. Like the Leafs would kill to have all those cups that the Oilers had had. They would kill to have had Gretzky in their team. And, you know, it's the same with teams around, like, same with teams around Arsenal. Dude, Tottenham, perfect. Tottenham fans won't admit it, but they would kill everybody they know to have a semblance of the success Arsenal have had. Yeah, but I think you've made a bad comparison there. Because Arsenal haven't won all that many league titles, really. But, oh yeah, but over the last, like, what, since, well, since Wenger got there, what, 98 or something? Yeah, he had three Arsenal, league titles. Arsenal are... Yeah, Arsenal are what? The third most successful team in the Premier League era? Or the second? Three three league titles and a bunch of FA Cups and a couple of League Cups. Like, that's... Champions, Le- Champions League final? Yeah, yeah, finals, that's fine. We're more like the like the Colorado Avalanche, really. Had a couple of years of, of being the Dons. And what now are you talking about? What do you mean, what am I talking about? Dude, you're talking dude, about, like, you Arsenal won the double. Like, you're comparing you Arsenal won the double to, to the Edmonton the Oilers. To the Edmonton Oilers. Arsenal have had sustained, sustained success. Like the Oilers, the Oilers for a, Oilers for a good chunk of time had success, and I'm saying the Leafs would have killed to have the Oilers' success. Okay. Tottenham fans would have killed to have your success. Maybe success-wise, the the Gooners are more like the Bruins, maybe. But you're talking about a team that won like four cups in a row, that absolutely dominated, that had the best player that's ever played the game. And I mean, Ian Wright's incredible, but I, w- I wouldn't call him the best player that's ever played the game. And no, just no. Like, I, 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 yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, life's been horrendous as an Arsenal fan my entire life. But you're talking about us like we're bloody, yeah, like we're Manchester United, which we're absolutely not. Absolutely not. not. Fucking hell, mate. No way. No, I'm not saying your mind. I'm not saying your mind. You, there's no way. There's no way your mind. I'm not saying that like, like that. Yeah, but you're you're comparing us to the Oilers, like all right, yeah. like you're like you're saying we're Liverpool. Liverpool have had far more far more uh, historic success than the Gooners have had. If like if United and Montreal, then Liverpool are the Oilers. If I'm talking recent success, I'm saying even, that even I'm so. saying fans of even so. yeah, I'm saying fans of. Three league titles in 20 years. That's a lot, but not a lot, a lot. It is compared to the other two. There's only two other teams. Sorry, well, there's only four of the teams that have won it, but one was Leicester, one was Blackburn. The three, if you look at like league titles, people will go, oh yeah, it was Arsenal, United and Chelsea. Those are the, that's it. There's no one else. You're, you're making out like, oh, little we are still. We never really did anything. Oh, we were so mild-mannered. We had a perfect, invincible season. <laughs> oh, yeah. Must have been terrible, Will. I will remind you, Dan, that I haven't brought any of this up. <laughs> you just... Uh, I've, I wasn't saying this. You just started throwing bloody shade of, shade of my team just because <laughs> you, you're rabbiting on about the Oilers and then you suddenly say, and another thing. <laughs> yeah, but you bloody it is two Brits. Fans. It is two Brits, one puck, Will. And I feel like a lot of Arsenal fans are the same as a lot of Oilers fans. There are, 90, there are 92 teams in English football. 80... Hang on. Christ, my my brain is fritzing out. 88 or 89 teams would kill to have Arsenal's success and history. That's a ridiculous amount. And the same with the Oilers. How many teams would actually say, no, you know what, I'll prefer what we've done to the Oilers. There's not many. 
in the NHL. Not many. And and they've still got Conor McDavid. But I will I will refer again, Dan, to my previous argument of people in glass houses should not throw stones, and people in houses well, well, I'm not made of SPL trophies. No, I'm not currently sat in that glass house because in my my league we can only play who we can play. There's nothing I can do about that, so I can't. You know, You're, I can't really you, comment. You were moaning to me as recently as last month during a transfer window. Ah, oh, we've got all this money and we're just not going out and getting any players. Like you fucking need them. Oh, what you're really you're really that worried about Hibs coming up and and pinching second <laughs> and being what forty points behind you. Oh, I'm scared now. You're the fucking. We're not talking. You're, about the, you're the worst kind of glory hunter. You might as well be supporting bloody Rosenberg. Da- oh my god! How dare you call me a glory hunter? You That's are, the worst thing you've you ever are. said to me. You are, ever, you are a glory hunter. Growing up in the middle of England, supporting fucking Celtic. Do you have any idea how much shit I got when I was a kid? <laughs> I got fucking grief so much. Yeah, for, being, this is when we were for being a glory hunter. Like, <laughs> this is when we were terrible. We had fucking John Barnes managing us and people like that. It was a fucking disaster. Oh, well, you were terrible coming second in the SPL. Yeah, dude. Hey, sometimes we came third. <laughs> Like, that is a that is a shambles. <laughs> I don't know. I think the comparisons are there. I think Oilers and Arsenal. I think it's pretty close. I'm fucking livid. I'm just saying, and I'm not saying you. You're a level. You're a level-headed football fan like me. You you can look at it objectively, <laughs> but like we are doing right now. <laughs> but like you get those absolute fucking mongos who are just on. The internet going, oh my god, we're terrible! And I'm like, dude, like you've got such, you've got such a good team here, you know. All right, I get it, things aren't great right now, but you've had such a good run, such a good run, and there's teams who would kill to be in your position, and that's what I'm saying. Like, like I was my original point. I'm going to give some sympathy here to Leafs fans who, through fucking everything, and still have to pay an absolute fortune to get into that place to watch that team sometimes. God, can you imagine if they had the success the Oilers had had? That that's the worst thing. Like, imagine, imagine if like Leeds were still charging like fifty quid for for the nosebleeds <laughs> in league in League One, and 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 that's it's not even the equivalent of fifty quid. They're, like Leafs fans are paying like a hundred and fifty dollars to to sit in the nosebleeds, or were at least sit in the nosebleeds and watch their team get smashed by the bloody Hurricanes. Yeah. Now they're paying two hundred and fifty dollars to sit in the nosebleeds and watch their team smash the hurricanes, but still, like the point still stands. Yeah, exactly. It's just on like the disparity between like the cost of sports. Like we say that football costs far too much, which it does, but like I'm gobsmacked by the cost of tickets in America. Have you seen? Because yeah. um, like Team GB is in uh, back in the big boys. For the for the world yeah. championships this year, have you seen they've put yeah. their their world championship jerseys up for sale? No. So they've they're selling their world championship jerseys. It's that you know that sort of new Nike style with like the weird pattern on the sleeves uh, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's one of those with like the the Union Jack line, and it looks really smart, and it's it's nice to see. It's a nice little jersey, and it's almost that. Oh, we've got the same style as all the other big teams sick we're we're here now sort of thing yeah but they're charging 150 quid for those jerseys fucking hell i know i know and like 
I think that's relatively standard for like I know for for starters for jerseys off NHL.com like the international store they're like a hundred quid or whatever yeah probably one hundred and fifty yeah. if you get a name on the back so it's sort of par for the course for hockey hockey teams and that but I think yeah you know, as a country we're used to going down to Sports Direct paying for, <laughs> all all jokes aside like to get no, a football shirt it's so true it's you pay so true. you pay forty quid. I I remember there were plenty of times you could get like a name and number on the back of an England shirt, get the whole thing for like twenty quid. Yeah, you get yourself a Rooney number nine for twenty quid back in the day, the old reversible shirt. Like, it's I just can't believe that they're charging one hundred and fifty quid for a for a GB jersey. That's just so. What you, so what you're saying is Mike Ashley needs to get involved in hockey somehow, so we can get some some cheap, I mean, 40, some cheap hockey jerseys. He he absolutely does, absolutely does. But I can't. I can't fathom it. I cannot, like, never in a million years am I going to pay 150 quid for a jersey. That is an insane no, no amount of money. Yeah, the only jersey I've got is I asked, I asked for it for Christmas off my in-laws. I said, I want one thing. Can you get me a Bruins jersey? That's it. Because I knew they were going to... And they went, oh yeah, how much are they? And I was like, oh, you don't know. <laughs> like, mm. you're going to find out. <laughs> Do you not want anything else? No, it's fine. I'll just take the jersey. Thank you. They looked like, how much? It's like, yeah, there you go. That's why. That's all I want. Thank you. Did you uh, did you get anything on the back? No, because I was like, I'm not pushing my luck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that'd be I'm an extra seventy quid, please, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But that's that's the thing with hockey, though, isn't it? It's even to learn. They always say it's an expensive sport to like to oh, even yes. just learn it. It's expensive, full stop. Like the the only jerseys I've got, I've got a couple of um, like forty quid Alibaba pickups, oh, yeah. and then uh, the rest are like eBay. Classic finds that have been absolute bargains. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's crazy, absolutely ludicrous. And the good news is, well, you can buy a hundred and fifty pound GB hockey jersey, and then go to the game, and when they get trounced, you can throw it on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Just to bring us full circle. There we go. Team GB getting getting smashed like eighteen nil by Canada. Like this is a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Kirk's brought shame upon the country. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hold you back. Will, Will, there's a guy outside selling these jerseys, like replicas for twenty quid. They're, they're throwing jerseys. You're not seeing him. He's outside. Go and get one of them instead. Go and get one of them instead. He's making a fortune. I, I keep, I keep forgetting that like we're even in, in the, um, the world championship like top group. Like, how amazing is it going to be to watch Kirky line up against like whatever Canadian rejects decide to turn up? I know it's going to be gonna, mad. It's going to be mad, absolutely mad. I hope some top like I've never wanted good players to be knocked out of the playoffs more than I've wanted it this year. <laughs> Do you know the worst thing is as well is that we're going to get battered, but mm. we're going to do that British thing of going, oh yeah, but at least we were there. At least we were there. It's such a British thing to do. We're just happy to participate. Yay! Well, like who, who was it at the juniors? Was it? De- I think it was Denmark at the juniors this year. They got banged like fourteen nil by Canada, didn't they? Yeah, some yeah, something like that. And and Danish hockey fans were genuinely like, "This is just, this is good just to be there." And I'm fully with them, like fully with them. Yeah, it's it makes like, sense. It's it like yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to imagine. But imagine you're from a country that's never qualified for the World Cup, and then you qualify for the World Cup and get smashed four in every group game. It's still a good experience to be there. Yeah, who was it in our group? Was it Honduras or something like that? Yeah, Honduras. Who would beat 6-1. Yeah, they were just there for like, it was the first time they'd ever got there. And the whole, 
basically the whole country just shut down, didn't it, just to watch them play. They just didn't care. They're like, yeah, we made it to the World Cup. We've made it. That's us. This That's is us it, now, Will, as GB but, hockey fans. It's crazy. I don't know. The World Championships probably isn't quite as uh, quite up there as the World Cup, but um, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> still, the idea is for us, though. Yeah. A <sighs> couple of quick little things. Two rookie goalies, amazing seasons, Carter Hart, Jordan Bennington. I feel that, again, as I, I keep giving these ideas to the NHL for free, and they're just not bothering with them, you've got a hockey rivalry involving goalies. And I get it. They might not, they're probably hardly ever going to play each other. But you've got Matthews Lyonet, whatever, McDavid Eichel, whatever, Reeves Wilson, who cares? Okay, forget that one. I, I do care. I do care about that one. Never mind. But, of all people. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Reeves Wilson. I care about that one. Harvey Binnington. That's where it's at now. Two young goalies. Get them together somehow. Pit them together, and let them go from there. But Binnington, especially the Blues. Fucking. Hell. Do you know around Christmas the Blues were last place, last. Crazy. And now they're in a comfortable, comfortable wild card spot, off the back of. What is he nine one and one ten one and one something like that? Something like that. Something. And he's got like something a crazy nine twenty five save percentage or something, which yeah, means, he's on like means something or, this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's on a six or seven, six or seven on a real win streak, playing really well. And then Carter Hart as well. I mean, there's a couple of games he's kind of been left out to dry, but doing amazing. I think again around nine twenty five, twenty six, something like that already. Eleven six and one. Um, isn't, before he isn't, lost the pens, he. Go on. I was, I was going to say, isn't Jordan Biddington like 28 or something? Like, like, something ridiculous, isn't it? He's he's, he's, he's older he's, than you'd think. Significantly yeah, yeah, older totally. than Carter Hart. I read... Wasn't it Jordan Biddington? Like, he was, he'd was he just been brought in as a backup to somebody else just for one game or something, and then that guy got injured. So, like, all right, off you go then. You fucking have a game. Off you go, <laughs> he so. was amazing. And he went, huh. This I, is it, though, Will. This, this is, is what the Blues are winning the cup. They've got their hot goalie. <laughs> Imagine, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but mate, imagine, just Jesus. imagine to go from being written off, like right, this is it for the Blues. See you later. It's over. To, I mean, it's not going to happen, but imagine, but imagine. I know, and we just we just wrote them off at Christmas. They were dead last. I mean, the amazing thing is now, now they're in, what, now they're in the playoffs. What crazy spot, things sure to do. To, to well, rate off the team in dead last at Christmas. <laughs> well, no, but it was crazy because of where they are. Obviously, it was crazy because of where they are now, but I think it's interesting that now they're in a playoff spot, they're probably going to start selling off their top assets again like they, like they always do for some reason. No, but Instead that's... going for it. I was thinking about it earlier today. Like, that's a smart thing to do. What what um, St. Louis did with Statsny last year is the smartest thing to do. Like, Dougie Armstrong saw, like, right, it's not going to work. Yeah, we're not probably not going to win the cup this year. We might as well get something for Stastny. And then if we make the playoffs, great. If we don't, whatever. They end up making the playoffs anyway after selling. And it's just just a genius thing to do. They should sell again this year, I think. And that's why Columbus no, should sell this crazy. year. you're crazy. What do you mean am I crazy? At some, you got, at some point, you've got to go for it. At some point, you've got to yeah. say, all right, fuck it. This year, we're going to fucking really make an effort. And they're on such a hot streak right now. You've got to go for it. Yeah, at some point you have to say you have to go for it, but not the year that you're bloody dead last at Christmas. No, but I mean... Did, did we now, not say about an hour ago, to... did we not say about an hour ago that 
they were shit for half the season, they've been good for a bit, and they're probably going to end up shit in the last 30 games. Yeah, but that's not a guarantee. We're saying there's a... All right, yeah, there's a chance they could fall off the face of the earth. There's a chance any team can fall off the face of the earth. It's hockey. That's what happens in hockey. Teams suddenly just start playing shit. Other teams suddenly just start playing well. But that's... The Blues have just suddenly started getting very good at the right time. The Blues wouldn't be falling off the face of the earth. They were already off the face of the earth. They've gotten about two fingertips back on the face of the earth, and then they'd just be falling back off. It's not like... It's not like I've gone from first in the league. Like It's not like Tampa suddenly end up outside of a playoff spot. So you're saying that a team that is on this kind of hot streak, even if, once you trade that line, 11 days away, say they've got another three games, they win those next three games, and they're, co- they're completely comfortable in a wild card spot, you just sell off again? Like, no. Might as well. This, if- what if the Penguins, like the Penguins were their first cup under Sullivan? This is what they did. They just got in. They just got in. Not under the buzzer, but they just got in and were like, right, shit, we're going to ride this out. Let's go. No, they weren't that bad, though. I know they weren't that bad. And I get it. They've got Crosby and Malkin and you're never really out of it when you've got those two players. But you don't know. You never you, know. You, you can't yourself sell a minute every ago, season. They were last in the NHL. Last. I get it. But now they're not. Now they're not. We're talking about now. Right now. They're, like they are one of the hottest teams in hockey right now. They've got a goalie who's on fire. I'm not saying he's going to be like this the whole way, but at some point you can't get to the deadline again and say, "Yeah, we'll sell this guy. Fuck it. Yeah, we'll sell this guy. Who cares? We're not making it again. Pfft, what's the point? You can't do that. You've got at some point you've got to say, "All right, this year we're going to make a couple of moves and try and do something." What well, um, we seem to be on a streak at the moment. So, so what about the Ducks then? Yeah, but the Ducks should sell. They're, they're on such why? a massive downturn. But they're, because they're on such a massive downturn. For for the last one game, they're the hottest team in hockey. They've got a goalie who can't be stopped. He's never conceded Will, a goal in his very, career. You're a very smart man, and I expect better trolls from you if you're going to try, okay? <laughs> that's a terrible... I'm actually insulted you attempted to troll me with that. Well, with that... a team that's 1-0-0 in their last one, considering <laughs> they're 3-15-4 in their last 22. <laughs> that's... That is my protest of your your argument for the Blues. Like, no. Like, next you're going to tell me that the, the fucking Flyers should be buying at the deadline. Yeah, but, so every time the Blues get into a playoff spot, they just, in the wild card... Are, so if the Blues are in the wild card spot every year around Feb, they should just sell. Because clearly they're not going to win it. No. no. Last, last year, when they <laughs> sold Statsny, that was just a quite smartest man in the room sort of thing from Armstrong. This year, they're abjectly bad. They've had a bad season. Just because they've slumped into a wildcard spot with, again, 30, not 13, not three, 30 games to go, doesn't mean they should suddenly start fucking, like, buying. Like, you got to think I of like a long the long term. I like the idea that a bad season in your mind is up until around Christmas. And that's it. Just after that, forget it. Even if you even if you then win a fuck ton of games and get into the playoff spots at the deadline, you should just keep going. Yeah, but at Christmas we will last, so forget it. Last, no way. that's the no thing. Way. It's not like they were five points out at Christmas. It's not like they were just on the edge. They were last out of thirty-one teams. Last. <laughs> I can't believe we disagree over this. You're insane. 
at some point you've got to move, you've got to try at some point. What are you saying yeah. to your fans yeah. if for the third or fourth year in a row you sell off one of your better players because you're like, well, we're not going to do it again. But like, what, fuck's sake. One of your better players. Who have they got as RFAs this year? Fucking Jay Bowmeister. I know, but there was, there was rumours going saying around they should around trade Christmas when they were bad. I know, but there was rumours going around around Christmas when they were bad that they're like, okay, people are up, like we can, we're offering people out. What are you going to give us? Because we, you know, we're terrible. And at the time, fine. I didn't hate that. At the time, they were bad. If you suddenly put a run together in two months and get hot, get comfortable, pardon me, start playing well together, something happens, dude, you've got to try and just harness that and just ride it out. Because how many teams have we seen do this? How many teams every year are like, there's no way they're going to win it? Dude, last year, <laughs> like I say this every other week, nobody predicted that. All the fancy stats, guys. You can have all the fucking analytics in the world. The only person who predicted the fucking caps and fucking knights was a man with a coin. That was the only person I saw predict that final. The, Nobody else predicted it. The problem with that comparison is, though, Dan, they were both strong regular season teams all the way through. The, what we were saying about the knights all the way through was, oh, there's no way they're going to continue being as good as they were it's not like they started off the season and up to Christmas like 31st and then suddenly surged in they were good from the get go and the Caps had a good regular season as they always do and then just so happened to carry on into the postseason. they've not gone from being the worst team in the league to scraping into a wildcard playoff wildcard spot and then suddenly saying oh well they're probably going to win the cup now alright I can't believe this. I can't believe this discussion. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't believe it Jordan Bennington. <laughs> Jordan Bennington has got ended up on this, but it has. And I'll tell you something else, Wilson. Shut up. Right. You can't say to me, if a team is in last place in December, okay, around Christmas, not even early December, around Christmas, and there's, f- all right, halfway, 41 games left. If they win, so if they then win, 35 games out of those 41 and they make it to the playoffs even if they're not the first place team I get it to I get it's an insane I get it's an insane example I get that okay I'm not saying that but whatever pick a pick a number if if a team suddenly if a team wins 30 out of those 41 games and makes it into the postseason maybe not even as the as the top team they're maybe the third or the second team you're not then thinking hang on a minute this team's fucking on a roll like we need to look out for this team because they're suddenly playing, but they've suddenly got something. You can't then get to the playoffs and say, yeah, but they were last at Christmas. Who cares? That was fucking like four months ago. Who gives a shit? <laughs> they're in it now. You're in it now. But what, what, what matters is right now. We're talking about buying or selling at the trade deadline. And the trade deadline is only two months after Christmas. At the point where we get to the trade deadline, they will still have spent more of the season being abjectly terrible than they will have being on some hot streak. I think you're crazy. I think you're crazy to just, even if your team's in the playoffs at the deadline, to just sell off your assets again. Only (laughs) if you have spent the majority of the season as the worst or one of the five worst teams in hockey. If you're on the bubble for the whole thing and then you get in, I mean, I'm still thinking shouldn't necessarily buy, but I wouldn't say, yeah, sell off. (laughs) The only team Will thinks can trade at the deadline this year is Tampa. That's it. Nobody else. <laughs> no, no, not just Tampa. Tampa and Winnipeg. Yeah, everyone, Tampa else, and everyone else That's should it. send all their UFAs to Tampa and Winnipeg. 
Yeah, <laughs> because they're the only teams that can do anything. <laughs> and retain a whole load of salary. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, d- I, d- I just think you're fucking... You're off your rocker, mate. You're off your rocker. I'm thinking as well, though, of... But how it looks to the fans that you're just selling off, you're just selling off players again. Fucking, like, mate, you're you're talking about. I know fans. what you're gonna say. You're talking about you're fans that say. should be happy with what they've got. St. Louis are running out of sports teams left, right, and centre. If I was a fan of St. Louis right now, I'd just be like, right, yeah, whatever, Blues, do what you want, do what you want, just stick around. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> At least we've got a team. Please, just, please just stay. <laughs> the Blues still love me. The Blues still love me. <laughs> Try Tarasenko. That's okay. Just, just don't move. Please. You see NHL, that's how you build a rivalry. Me and Will have got a rivalry now, because I'll tell you, I fucking, I will, I hope, I don't care, I hope the Bruins don't win the cup this year. I hope the Blues win it. Because <laughs> if they do, I'm going to run to your house, and I'm going to throw <laughs> fucking yellow and blue paint bombs at it, and scroll blues with my dick on the door. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like last season was so much easier than this year. We've had quite a few, um, um, Disagreements. Yeah, disagreements for for one of a better term this year. It's It's, true. It's It's driving us apart this terrible NHL season. (laughs) That's what it is. I know, because in like a month, the Blues will be nowhere and you'll be like, I fucking told you. And I'm like, oh shit, (laughs) it's not fair. Please forgive me. I'm absolutely buzzing. On Valentine's Day of all days when we're having an argument, disgraceful. (laughs) Hey, speaking of Valentine's Day, Will. Oh, I forgot. I thought we could... Oh yeah, oh yeah. Last thing, well, second to last thing today before Amber's just coin flips around oh, at the show. Excuse me. Me and Will thought about, I saw something on Twitter about sending Valentine's Day cards to NHL players. So I thought we should try and come up with a couple of ideas about Valentine's Day cards that anybody involved in hockey could send to anybody else. So I believe you have two, Will, and I have three. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, so I'll go first. My Valentine's Day card, it's a picture of an arse, obviously. And on, on the front of the card, as you do, on the front of the card, and then on the inside of the card, it says, can you at least lube up this time? And that's from Edmonton Oilers fans to the management. See, I've been, I've been very fortunate, Dan, as um, okay, yeah. I've, I've actually found genuine Valentines. Um, that have been, no. well, you, you call me the East Anglian, Elliot Freeman, and the only way that I've been able to sort of employ my powers is to find this found footage if you will of, uh, of NHL okay. Valentine's um, the first came to me in a card uh, it was a blank card I think it was due to be printed on the front with some sort of motif or, or image to signify love but uh, inside it was inscripted as such dear Leo I've had the sweetest chocolates and ate every last speck but nothing tastes as sweet as your thick Estonian neck yours <laughs> Brad Oh, that's lovely. That's Is lovely. it a be- beautiful? I mean, a little bit erotic for me, but um, a nice sentiment nonetheless. My next card, uh, it's a picture of the Anaheim Ducks logo on the front with <laughs> the standings from two months ago, with them being fifth in the Western Conference. Then inside is the standings now, with them being last in the West. And the caption is, we can't wait to go down on you. <laughs> I think that's, uh, I think that's very sweet. That is, that is vulgar, if you ask me. Oh, well, okay. You know, apples and oranges, whatever. That's just me. Well, um, th- this yeah. other one is a bit of an odd one because it was, it was more of like a flyer. Um, and, and actually, a lot of people <laughs> sent me photos of, uh, of this flyer. So it, it, it's bloody everywhere. Like, this is okay. quite, a, quite a sort of 
um, you know, blanket Valentine, it would appear. And and, and the fire reads as such, it, it's entitled Valentine's Party, um, a subtitle of, of All Welcome, uh, $1 billion entry fee, Forever Hungry, Gary. <laughs> Which is just a bit odd, if you ask me. Forever just Hungry. Just, just a bit strange. No idea. I did my last one, and my favourite one. Um, on the front of the card is the Ottawa Senators logo. So you know it's going to be good. And there's a little bit of writing on the front that says, You always have my heart. And on the inside is a picture of Eugene Melnick saying, Because I stole it. And I thought, uh, What a lovely a lovely message there for Valentine's Day. <laughs> so wait, <laughs> like that is, is that... Is that a Valentine that, that Eugene is sending himself and signing it from the people that he steals organs from? Yeah. He's a very lonely man. There's no one in that front office anymore, is it? It's just him and it's just him and Dorian, like, <laughs> bumming around. So he just has to send himself cards. Well, while we're on the subject of the Senators, I do want to send uh, a, a sincere shout-out to Mark Borowiecki. Like, uh, I know I've personally yes. raised on him quite a bit this year, but, like, fucking... Yes. Big up Mark Borowiecki for saying the Senators are a bunch of wankers. Big up the LGBTQ plus community and power to, to Mark Borowiecki and Anders Nilsson and Mark Borowiecki's wife, whose name I'm forgetting because I'm actually just a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He called them out, didn't he? Basically saying, we, we haven't been very good at this. We need to be better. We're bad as an organisation at recognising diversity and stuff like that so yeah good for you Mark good good man and the the self-deprecating side of it where he's like oh I'm sure you wouldn't expect it from a player like me or whatever it is but it's nah good on you Mark good stuff and just clear up one last thing from last week I found out why Jose Mourinho was in Russia oh mate oh tell me it's it's not anything amazing it's really not he's doing a Russian football show like a punditry thing called On the Touchline for uh, okay. a Russian network. So he's obviously being paid a goddamn fortune for it, but yeah, that's why he was there last week, ignoring handshakes and falling over. That that in itself is a bit weird, though, isn't it? Like, Yeah, it is. Wait, wouldn't you do it in Portugal? Like, why would you go to Russia? Or even like Does the China there? or something like that. Like... Oh, yeah, I don't know. Very weird. Very weird. All right, man versus coin flip. What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? Call it. An absolute stonker of a week, as I actually got to see the results come in. It was exciting, as it's 33 points each, Will, at the moment between you and the coin. And you you split two, you, you split four different games, and then the last game you drew. So, very exciting. Good stuff. Can I, uh, can I still with... sell at the deadline? <laughs> no. Because you're not 55 points in front, Will. So you can't do any trading of any kind, selling or buying. You're not allowed. According to your rules. Anyway, Columbus Islanders. Oh, mate. Islanders, because Panera and Bobrovsky are just going to mail it in from now on. I just don't care anymore. Fair enough. Preds Canadians. Preds. Hurricanes Stars. Hurricanes. Has to be that. Boo! Red Wings Flyers. Oh, shit. Red Wings, because they're voodoo. Uh, finally, Avalanche, Vegas. Yeah, Vegas. Vegas. Aren't the Avs like last in the central now? Yeah, they've they've totally hit... I don't know, they've just hit a wall completely. Right. The top line is suddenly 
stop being a very good top line and there's nothing else there. So, yeah, very weird. Yeah, funny that a, a one-line team and the one-line stops scoring and then the team's bad. <laughs> yeah, nothing else huh. can happen. <laughs> Okie dokie. Oh, God, Christ, we got down the end. What a wild ride that was, folks. Thanks for listening. You can get in touch with us, as always, on the Twitter, at DanStraightEdge, where you are at. W-E-V-E-V-E-R-E-T-T. And at 2Brits1Puck, number two, number one. <sighs> Thank you, everybody. Will, any last words? Um, I've spent the majority of my Valentine's evening uh, away from my beloved and my betrothed to um, <laughs> chat absolute breeze about a man who believes that Celtic fans aren't entitled. So I better go to bed, really. <laughs> it's a fantastic point. I've also spent Valentine's Day away from the woman I love. But instead of being with her, I'm going to go climb my bed next to my wife. Hey. So we'll see you later, folks. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey.